All right, they say those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Well, we're going to learn you some history, and hopefully you won't get offended if the American flag comes up like some foreign shoe company this week on Top 5 for Fighting. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. Of course. And that's it! What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. You both know this is completely fucked up, right? Yeah. Of course. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy 4th of July, sir. And what an episode this is going to be. You guys better get your uh, unhappy pills out because you're going to have to balance off all the shit that you're going to deal with here in the next uh, four and a half hours. You're going to be shitting stars and stripes for the next three days after you listen to this. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We have two guests today, an unprecedented episode of Top 5 for Fighting, episode 19, which is super special. Do you know why, Mike? Because it's Steve Eisenman's number? Uh, No, because it's a prime number. But anyway, <laughs> Deion Sanders was 21. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, nice, well nice pull. Thank you. We have returning to the show today, Richard Alexander. Uh, welcome back, sir. Thanks, guys. Always it's a pleasure. Always man. nice to have you here. And I'm going to let you introduce him because I don't know who the fuck he is. And <laughs> of legendary teaching status. Legendary. Great close friend of mine, Nicholas Freeberg, history yeah. teacher extraordinaire and served in the Coast Guard. Thank you for your service as well, oh, sir. Thanks a lot. That uh, a very kind introduction. Uh, I think uh, because we're discussing America today, it should be an unprecedented uh, podcast. Oh, it's going it, to be. It, it, it fits the uh, fits the thing. As the kids as the kids say, it's going to be off the fucking chain, yo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So we, we sat down at the table here today, and I said, anybody got an outline for this show? And we're like, nah, we're just going to wing it. Nope, we're just going to go America so all over the So we're going to have a good time. America, <laughs> it's going to be like 1776 up in this bitch. Just less bloody. Just less. I think. Well, maybe. I, I got the towels maybe. out. <laughs> Richard, maybe. <laughs> so let's start off with the story of the week. And and uh, we don't get political on this show, but we're just going to talk about it. And that's the Colin Kaepernick and the Nike shoe. Um, I'm going to call it debacle slash catastrophe. Because what a joke this has turned out to be from so many different angles. Well, it was funny because I think it was, what, Monday, Tuesday, when you texted me about something. And I ha- absolutely said, I do not even want to talk about this guy. I don't even want to mention it. But I lost. <laughs> For good reason, because you're right, it is relevant. And, you know, it's it's discussable. So I'm sure you know the story. Uh, it, what happened was Nike had a, a Fourth of July commemorative type shoe that had the flag that Betsy Ross supposedly created, and I believe it was for the original 13 colonies. And Kaepernick told them that they should pull it because it was offensive. Well, before we get there, what did you guys think of the design of the shoe, Nick? Loved it. Loved it. I, no, I, I liked it. It was, it was different. Tribute. Yeah, I liked it. It, it, was it, was a really, it was a really cool shoe. It yeah. wasn't over the top. It no. was a white shoe with red and blue on it, and it had the Betsy Ross flag on the heel. Correct. Simple, sharp, li- and like you, Nick, I loved it. I thought it was sharp. I'd wear those. So, so everybody, uh, liberals, conservatives, non-conservatives, non-liberals, white people, black people, foreign people, 
all went up in arms for one reason or another. Nike was right to do it. Nike was wrong to do it. Everybody got pissy about it, upset, crazy, angry. And uh, it turns out that the press reports it as Colin Kaepernick tells Nike he finds, he finds, that's important the way they worded that, that, that statement, he finds the flag offensive. So uh, me being the type of person I am, I said something about it on Facebook, and I got into a couple conversations with a couple of my friends. And I have a friend of mine who lives in Seattle who is – he's just ridiculously smart. I don't even like talking to him because I always feel stupid, and that's, that's the truth. He says this isn't about the flag, and I tried to find him so we could talk about him, but he sent me the links. There are two hate groups out there that are anti-black, pro-white, you know, what a hate group does. Douchebags. You know, Douchebags. Just, just complete fucking morons, for lack of a better word that that is apparently the symbol that they use when they're broadcasting their rhetoric. Now, if that's the case, I'm cool with it, with Nike pulling it. But why don't you let us know that that's why you pulled it? It shouldn't be we pulled it because Colin doesn't like the <coughs> flag, because whether you like him or not, that gives him unnecessary heat. That gives Nike unnecessary heat. If you're doing something and you got a good reason, just, just tell us the damn reason. Y you're probably going to get more people that will back you at that point than th are boycotting you at this point, because that's what's happening. Nike's facing a, a, a boycott from a lot of people. Yep. I think there's a lot of truth in the idea that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as is bad publicity. Uh, Unfortunately, if, you're right. If they're talking about you, that's that's probably a good thing. And by using Kaepernick instead of the hate groups, you're going to get a lot more clicks on that. You're going to get a lot more traffic, and it's going to be discussed. And uh, I think that's why we're talking about it here today. Yeah. Thoughts, Richard? No, it's a valid point. You listen, uh, I can't pick and choose who I think should have free speech or not, right? Everybody I mean, should have free speech. Correct. And, and the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that everybody should have free speech, you know, regardless of how if vile I or offensive the message. Except the Irish. But, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and I agree with you. I think this would have been over in a matter of seconds had Nike said, this is why we're doing it. You know, an official press statement release as to why we're doing it. But, yeah, the controversy arose because the way it was reported, as Greg said, and, yeah, it, it got a ton, of, a ton of backlash. And all the different media outlets love to pile on when they get something like that, right. and they love to throw it out there as hard as possible. But, it, like you guys have all said, it could have been avoided Correct. if Nike, just, not noi noise, Nike came out and said, this is why, these are these groups, this is what they're doing. Correct. It's probably best that we just don't. I don't agree with that. That's not what that flag came from. That's not what that flag stands for. If some other douchebag group wants to use that as their symbol, whatever, don't even pay attention to them. Well don't. And there's multiple examples, too, of symbols being bastardized. I mean, just How about the swastika? The swastika, It's yeah, the most you know. famous, probably bastardized symbol in the history it's of the Hindu world. It's a Hindu symbol of peace and prosperity and, and health and, and long life, and, and it's taken and, and turned into a symbol of hate. So Correct. It, it's certainly not something. Because I thought of that was a symbol for a semi-pro basketball team from Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> no. No? No, actually not. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Well, true story. You know what? I did I did learn something new. I did not know that. And and it's funny to me that they it's not funny. It's it's ironic that they took a Jewish symbol. Hindu. Oh, a Hindu symbol. So see, I didn't learn anything today. And it's not irony. it's not I know it's not If it was a Jewish symbol, I fucking know what irony is. It would have been irony. Who let this fucking clown in here? I, okay, so I screwed that up. So you guys will edit that out in post? <laughs> 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 I, 
I, di- I didn't know that. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So so being a hi- history teacher finally paid off, Nick. There you go. It's finally paid yeah, off. Finally. You have hit finally. the big time. Finally. To d- this moment. Took today. today. Took right today. Now. July 5th. All that work went into this. It, this yes. Nice job. I, I couldn't be more proud. Congratulations, buddy. I, we couldn't I, be I more proud I finally made either. it. <laughs> you made it. I finally <laughs> made it. <laughs> We're moving on up. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it just it caught a lot of heat. It was way too over-publicized. And I think overall it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's our country's birthday. Everyone, uh, listen, it may be symbols of two hate groups, and that uh, that very well may be the case. But the fact of the matter is, that was our flag. And that, that flag has immense meaning. Yes, no, that's a good, that's for a good point. For many Americans. We just celebrated. It's the 4th of July. It's our birthday. We just celebrated yeah. the meaning of that flag, of yeah. where that flag came from. I agree. And how that, that should flag be was for born. everyone. That you know, there, there's people out there that they, they like Trump, they don't like Trump, whatever. We're not going to get in that discussion. But he he has made the the case and the point m- several times for for the media being li- really the bad guys. He, I mean, he, for lack of a better word, he's called them the bad guys. I read, saw multiple things on this topic this week, and there wasn't a one article I read that came from the middle. There was no how. Let's talk about how Colin feels. Let's talk about how Nike feels. Let's talk about the other people how they feel. It was all about how Colin and Nike feel. And all about how everybody else is feeling, how the other guy are 100% the bad guys. Being rational is uh, not in vogue. Yeah, right for now. sure. Right. right. It's it, it, just it, not. I guess it doesn't sell papers. It doesn't. To use an old term. Yeah, and the worst part about it is, and me being the dumbest guy in the room right now, <laughs> how I look at this, it's fucking shoes. We're, we're literally, we're in a huge debate now. Hate, upset, fighting online, all this. Shoes. A pair of shoes with an American flag on the back. I know, and Nike's a you know global shoes. billion dollar company. That's just how messed up things are right now. And I mean, it's not going to get into it, but it's like shoes. I think if somebody's going to be upset about Nike shoes, they should be more upset about the three year old girls that are making them in Malaysia than the fact of what's on them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it yeah, don't don't say that. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> needs to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if. If we go ahead and keep that down. Speaking yeah. of coming from yeah. the middle. Don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Kaepernick should get any attention for anything, it's for not being able to throw a slant. I mean, for God's sakes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you know, he didn't get the nickname uh, Colin Sacker Pick uh, for, for no reason. Pick or choose. You're going to get one. Everyone acts like he uh, should, should be playing in the NFL. And, you know, maybe maybe he does have the chops to be a backup. Uh, but, but take a look at a guy like a Tim Tebow. When the backup quarterbacks get more pub than the starting quarterback, that guy's got to go. It, yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't function within the team. I think Kaepernick made it to the Super Bowl on the on the back of Harbaugh's defense. I mean, it really did. That, that defense was ridiculous. It was it was, it was crazy. It, it was unbelievable. And and uh, the bottom line is really, in my opinion, Mike and I have talked about this multiple times. I don't think he has a job in the NFL right now because you can't have two different systems: one for your starting quarterback and one for your backup quarterback. You've got your backup quarterback has to be able to do at least try and do what your starting quarterback can do, and that's just you, you can't pay somebody what he wants. Hey, he got offered a, he got offered a contract by the Denver Broncos. Ka- Kaepernick did. Elway said, "Hey, we want you to come be our co- our, our our quarterback. We're going to trade for you. The trade's in place. All you have to do is agree to the contract." And he said, "No, I want more money." And the Broncos said, "You're not worth more money. Have a good day." And then he voided himself out, and then nobody wanted him because he didn't fit their he didn't fit their scheme. 
which in our resident Broncos expert right here will be able to elaborate on that. I give Elway credit for because as a GM, and I'll, I'll even ask you, Nick, as a GM of an NFL football team right now, would you take him knowing the sideshow that's coming with it and his ability to play quarterback? Colin Kaepernick? Yes. Would I take him? Right. Knowing uh, no. what, w- knowing what follows after you sign a guy like that? No, no, I wouldn't take him. And I, I, I really like the point that uh, that Greg brought up about the the scheme issue. Uh, guys that get overlooked all the time when it comes to the NFL are offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And you think about going from a stationary quarterback. These guys have numbers in their head. They have clocks in their head. They're thinking, okay, ball's going to be out and. Two and a half seconds. I gotta, I gotta hold my guy back for two and a half seconds. All of a sudden, a new guy comes in. He's running around. He's scrambling around, and it's not a surprise that teams that are not uh, preparing for that type of quarterback in their own house. Right. What do you see? You see the instances of holding going way up. You see all sorts of penalties. I, I as a head coach, he would really have to be something extraordinary for me to want him on his team and, and guys like that i mean we're talking about like a russell wilson uh type of guy and and, and i think that's about where that lives and if he's yeah. if he's that, yeah. if right. he's that extraordinary uh, right. if he's that extraordinary he's not your backup he's your starter he's Correct. your starter and right. then you're building it around him and, and and talk about the impact that has on your draft if you are trying to keep your system the same your whole draft board changes and and I just don't think that's something you want to take on. I agree. Yeah, and then on top of that, the sideshow that's going to follow, if someone were to bring him onto a team right now, it would be nonstop, and to me it would be a massive distraction to the team. And plus, he's a shitty quarterback. Right. I, I don't think you can sit here and say he he's he's – if he was playing, he wouldn't be a top fifteen. He probably wouldn't even be a top twenty quarterback. So there you go. Why bring the circus to town if it's not going to have a payoff? Well, if he's not if he's not going to be a top twenty quarterback, then he is perfect for the Lions. <laughs> Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> you know I'm kidding, dude. <laughs> no, it's no, it's all right. that that that's low hanging fruit. That's too easy. Honestly, I, I like what the Lions have a quarterback. That's that's one of their one of their shining pieces. I like what the Lions have a quarterback. I don't like what they have at offensive line. And yeah, I've said that from day one. Very true. I'm a Stafford supporter, and that offensive line does not support their own quarterback, unfortunately, and that's why they've had so many problems. But yeah, we'll definitely have Nick back for our NFL absolutely season. And so, Rick. so I'm gonna go around the table and I'm gonna ask everybody a question here real quick. Oh shit! I stole this straight up from a podcast I listen to. He asks it every show. What was the last movie you saw, Richard? Spider Man. Yeah? Yeah. What about you, Nick? Last movie I saw. Um, oddly enough, <laughs> the last movie I saw was Zookeeper on Netflix. The one with Kevin James? Yes, the one with Kevin James. I ha- okay, I have a follow-up question to you. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, well, <being laughs> It's a- not that bad. <laughs> no, okay. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. So, no, no, that's a fair question. Why? Uh, I I think it's a combination of things. I think it's one. Uh, I've watched a lot of stuff on Netflix, and uh, are you are you sure? I mean, are you asking us or are no, you telling and us? And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, two, uh, just being off for the summer. I have a lot of you know lot of spare time, you, so so you know <laughs> it came up time. and I said, "What the hell? Yeah, you know, right? let's give it a shot." Right? No, I, I, that's awesome. What about yeah. you, Mike? Hey. 
just to add on to that, me and Richard have seen firsthand what he goes through with that school. That summer off is to keep him from getting convicted of murder. I understand. That's, that's true. Yeah, I heard. I heard it's a little rough. It's a it's a massive restart button. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's a good um, way to put that, actually. It, it is a good refresher. Yes. Um, Tech school's the University of Florida, right? You teach at the University of Florida. Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> Twice. Tenured. Yeah. Two times. <laughs> two times. <laughs> two times. Tenured. Two times. <laughs> two times. Tenured. Uh, <laughs> last theater movie I saw was Spider Man. Uh, last movie we literally watched last night as a family was Shazam. Oh, nice. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, where Dil- Dylan hadn't seen it yet, so. Is that for sale already? Yeah. Yeah, it's out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's out. I need to get that. It's on demand and all that stuff, yeah. Last movie I watched was A Quiet Place, and the last theater movie I saw was Spider Man. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of that, I know three of the four of us <laughs> have seen it, but Rick, I- Rick, Nick has given us the green light to talk about it. Re- with even spoilers. With spoilers, bec- even though he hasn't seen it, but you sure about that? It's it's fine. It's uh-huh. fine. Go ahead. Okay, right. so so we got spoilers on this, guys. So if you don't want to hear this, fast forward a little bit. Yeah, big time, because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. going to start with Richard. What would you think? I, I loved it. I texted you guys after I saw it. I texted my buddy over in Orlando, and I... What I text was, it's like meatballs in Europe, you know, with teenagers. And I love the fact, I was just telling a friend of mine last night that I love the fact that this happens to be teenagers in Europe. Oh, and by the way, Spider-Man is going to make an appearance. Yeah. They, they just did that brilliantly. And we haven't seen any, any of the Marvel movies, including Sony, where they just kept the emphasis on, hey, man, these guys are teenagers. It's almost something you could watch yeah. al- without Spider-Man. Right. The hormones are going through the roof. They're kids. They, they don't know real-world experiences. Oh, and by the way, one of them's a superhero. Yeah. I, I just love the fact that Marvel was able to do that seamlessly and perfectly. I, I enjoyed the movie. Oh, and by the way, you know we're going to have a villain, Mysterio, in, in here who has a multi-billion dollar invention and uh, – you know, what more can you ask for? Barf. Oh, and the <laughs> fights took place in broad daylight, so that's nice, too. Yes. <laughs> I thought a couple of the best things of the movie for me was how the first, I don't know, probably ten minutes dealt with the aftermath of Endgame mm. in the snap. Yes. Which I thought was funny. They called the blip. The blip. Because what else would kids call it? Um, how everyone was snapped away and then were snapped back five years later and how just the way they dealt with it because – that was one of the biggest things after Endgame that people were not criticizing. They're like, well, h- how does that work? You know, they're snapped away. They're five years older. They come back. So they flat out smacked you in the face with it and explained it. I thought, believably. I remember how they explained it. On the, on the school news? Right, on the school news with students. That's awesome. High school news. With yeah, high school students. Really cool. yeah, cracked me up when he mm-hmm. said, oh, it's, just, it's just shitty out there. Hey, no swearing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just awesome. What did he say? It's public school. It's no yeah. big deal or yeah. something like that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty good, but it was I, I just thought the whole movie was and also they kept dealing with Peter losing Tony. And I thought that was a really strong emotional aspect of that movie I wasn't expecting. That was a theme, yes. In the beginning I expected it, but that was an ongoing theme of the movie and not only that, everywhere in Europe they went there was Tony Stark posters and murals and memorials and stuff like that. And I just overall and I know I told you guys this, I Loved Mysterio in the first half of the movie. Lo- I thought that this is a great character. Gyllenhaal is crushing this. Not crushing it like Heath Ledger in the mountains, but he was crushing that role. Oh, I wanted to go really, there so really bad. Good. But it, no, I to that tent. I wanted to go to that tent. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> if that tent's a rocking, don't come a knocking. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had no problems with it. I the story, the the third act, um, in the plane where you g- happy looks at Peter, seeing him do the Iron Man thing with the gloves and designing his new suit, and then he was just like, "That's all," you know. He was like little Tony, and just a lot of little moments like that when back in black pumps on and Peter says, "I love Led Zeppelin." That was just just great. That was his intro music, Iron Man's intro music to First Avenger. Yeah. When he's coming to take on yep. Loki after Cap just... When he says hi to Natasha in the wasn't radio. It, wasn't it at the beginning Iron Man 2 when he came down into the middle of the Tony Stark Expo? I think, I think that was... I think because he when he jumped out of yes. the plane. Yep. Yeah. That's so right. <coughs> yeah. Yep. So, Greg, go ahead. I fucking hated it. It was awful. I don't believe no, that for a second. Realistically. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I, I, right. I, I, I severely enjoyed it. I uh, they did a couple things that I was like, why would you do that? But uh, okay, let's see where they go with it. I did not realize until last night that this is actually the finale of Phase Three. I read that too, and it was surprising. Yes. Officially, Officially, this is the end. There is a part at the end. Uh, pay attention, and when he's swinging around New York City, he swings in front of what used to be Stark Tower slash Old Avengers Tower. Remember right. they sold it in the first Spider-Man. The statues are out in front of the Fantastic Four. What? There's what? There's statues of the Fantastic Four. Remember in uh, uh, Richards Richards Plaza or whatever they called it in, the, in, in Fantastic Four? Well, their building is the Baxter building. The Baxter building. In front of it, they have a, the, the statues of the Fantastic Four. You see them in the background of him. You talking um, about in the comics or no, in the movie? I'm talking in, it's in the movie. They do it in the movie. They, they tease it. In, it's in the movie. In the, ver- the very last scene when he's swinging around, in the background, they have, they have the thing and Human Torch. They've got... They've got the fe- the statues in front of what used to be Stark Tower. Did you see that in the movie, or did you read about? I that did not see it. I read about it. Okay. But but they've got the still frame right there. It's right behind him as he's swinging. So you know, and it could be a red herring because they're really good at that. The Marvel's really good at throwing stuff out there that you know, like we know this is what's going to happen, and then oh, because there was dozens of people out there, literally decades of people that were out there talking about uh, <laughs> about how Oscorp was going to be introduced in the Spider-Man because they had nowhere else to go. What did I text you, Richard? Yeah. But I was sitting in the theater. The movie got over, and I was waiting for the first se- end scene, and I said, all I'm hoping for is Norman Osborn. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, I think it's too soon for Osborn. They're still, they're still, he's still trying to find his place as far as everything else, but it's just there. Uh, you know, it could, be, it could be something that they wanted to do just to, just to throw people off the scent. It, it, could be a, it could be a tease. Who knows? Uh, we've both said before it's a great it's a great franchise that they need to get into the movies again because if Marvel Marvel having their hands on the Fantastic Four could be fun, but you know got to deal with Sony. Well, so can I can I say one thing that that no you're starting up. to trouble me about what they're doing with the the cast of characters around Peter Parker, and it and it hit me last when I saw it Tuesday night when and it really bothered me the most. Can I guess? Can I guess what I'm you're going to say? I'm not going to guess it, but go ahead. I have a guess, too. That everybody knows who I- – too many people know who he is? No. That was my guess, too. Okay. No. Well, you're wrong. That's the answer. Well, it, it has <laughs> to do literally – that's funny. <laughs> it has to do literally with the people that surround Peter Parker. They have radically, and I mean incredibly radically, changed all the surrounding cast characters around Peter Parker. Oh, Flash Thompson? Flash Thompson, Ned Leeds, and the blonde from the high school was Betty Brandt. Really? Wow. Is that Brandy Brandt's sister? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they are nothing, and I mean 100% nothing like they were in the comics. And I'm okay with that 
but all of them right. are radically different than what we're used to. Right. And I and it didn't hit me till last night till I went Betty Brant's in high school now with Peter Parker. Okay. Oh, Jesus, look at look at MJ. See, I don't until they say that's Mary Jane Watson, I refuse to believe that that's You're, they're just using the initials. Correct. And I have no she's great. That her no, I like her, fun. but until they say no, no, that's MJ Watson. Right. Until they say that, I'm not I'm not right. gonna even come close to believing she's M- Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean this is it's incredible how much they've changed everybody. And I really didn't have too much of a problem with it until Tuesday when when he calls her Betty and I went, That's Betty Brandt. Right. Now, there is one thing I want to ask Nick, because obviously you haven't seen Spider-Man yet, but we did our Endgame episode and all that stuff, and we all talked about it. What what are you looking for, or what are you hoping for in the next big batch? Like, anything specific? What, you wanna see, what, what do you want to see change? Like, how do you move forward after this big Endgame explosion of movie? <laughs> yeah, I, that's, a, that's a very good question. I, I think the best way to move forward is to close the chapter. It just that that's the story that's told and now we're going to tell a new story I, I i think trying to continue branching off of that I, i'm not sure that's the way you want to go I, I i think it wrapped up wonderfully i did not know that spider-man uh, far from home was the end of phase three i don't think I, any I didn't, of us I didn't did know that like was a month the ago. official end of phase right. three uh so i so i guess i i haven't seen the end of phase three right yeah, uh, but but I I think just just start a new story and, and enjoy that for what it is. They're they're such great storytellers. I I don't think they're gonna have a hard time doing that. No, in fact, I that's probably the best thing to do in my mind. In I don't know, X Men, Fantastic Four, it, get let's go. I think it, I let's think get that going. you're probably going to see all of that at some point. Captain Marvel, I mean, you just introduced her in a badass way. I also want to see uh, what happens with Fat Thor. Yeah, I, I'm very, very interested in, in where he ends up. I saw an article this week uh, from James Gunn where somebody had spoken to James Gunn, and he said what the future was there, and I, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but it's, it is as Guardians of the Galaxy. It has they've, to they've be. They've basically pretty much come out and said that at this point. They were so good together, in my opinion, Thor and Peter, and that whole dynamic with them. I, I could definitely watch a movie with that. Still, where's Adam Warlock? There's still to. Wi- I, I told you. There's exactly. so much there's coming. Plenty of story to yeah, tell. Exactly. So just let's start, start a new start Adam a new Warlock. Story. Adam Warlock in being involved is a perfect reason to have Thor with him. I have somebody I that really par- hope that, that Adam Warlock doesn't become an afterthought. Because he's introduced as an end credit scene, mm-hmm. and then we haven't heard from him since. Right. Yeah, but you haven't you haven't had another Guardians of the Galaxy since that end credit scene. Uh, and listen, I, I obviously they're going to do whatever they want with that character. No, right? they're going to do what I, I tell really them. I really hope <laughs> they do him justice, and and bring him on board. Although without Thanos, I'm not really sure what he is. He's going to. They tried in the in the Marvel universe. They they were going to try and do him justice, but then he started spewing some shit about how he's a sovereign citizen, and Jeez. it just it all went downhill right. from there. Actually, isn't he created by the sovereign? I think he is, right? Yeah, yeah. The the good the poll. Yeah. Now, to expand on that, and again, spoilers. End credit scene. We get a taste. I almost don't want to talk about that because they're so good. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't talk about. Okay. Them. Yeah, they're just Damn so it. good. They okay. You're right. 
Well, uh, think about it. If you go through the whole MCU, we will shelve that two better next week. two end credit scenes back to back? No. Yeah. No. It's yeah. that good. You go and make sure you stay for those both scenes. There's two of them. Good to know. Both. I'm trying to figure out Write if there down. is if there is a better end credit scene. Um, well, these are two end credit no, scenes that are both fantastic. Yeah. And Backdoor Babes too had some pretty good Yikes. end credit scenes. But oh. it, it really <laughs> it really set up the third. Yep. It, really it did. did. You I mean, you had no idea the third backdoor. You had no idea I, which direction hey, they were going. There's a lot of character arcs <laughs> that I don't I need to know where these characters right? are going to end up. What is he feeling? What is he thinking? What's his motivation here? And, yeah. and most likely it's crack. What keeps him coming <laughs> to that back door? Another pun. It's, is it the blueberry? Is it the vanilla? I need to know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yikes. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. I want to I talk about this one for a second. You, have you guys seen A Quiet Place yet? Yes. No. I have not. I have no? No. You, what, what did you think? I thought it was a very cool horror movie that you really haven't seen anything done like that yet. But... I mean, it was just different. It was odd to sit through a movie where there's little to no sound and you, they can't talk. Yeah, it was different. I mean, it, it was it was different. I um I I liked it, but I have to say this: I hated myself the whole time I was watching it because I was like that that couldn't happen. What 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 what? what, what how did that? No, that's <laughs> not how it works. No, that's not no. You, you don't do know you're watching a movie. You don't you, right? don't, you don't hit a you don't hit a, a 120 volt disconnect and the lights change color. That's 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 not how it works. Since Oops. since Nick is new to the circle, um, this is where we came up with the Charmin circle because Greg is going to shit on something there's eventually. A, right. There's a section <laughs> sponsored by Charmin. Yes, they, exactly. They, it, the whole movie. It, I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not spoiling it because if you haven't seen it yet, you don't want to see it because it's it's on Netflix at this point and it was a huge. Monster. Is it on Netflix now? Yeah. That's that's uh, uh no 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 no. One Hulu. of the streaming. Hulu. I watched it on okay. Hulu last All night. Right. Um, it's, so it's it's out there for free to watch, but the whole thing takes place over two days, and 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 it's four hundred and seventy something days after an apocalypse where there's a, an alien race that can't see, but they can they have super hearing, and they're there to destroy things. So you have to be quiet. So it's basically like a bird box. Bird box thing. is basically a quiet place. Right, a, quiet, okay. a bird yes. box was a ripoff. It's yes. a very the yes. exact opposite. Gotcha. Same thing. Gotcha. So they're talking about how they can't make any of this noise or any sound, and yet there are acres of corn that are planted in perfect rows. How, how, who planted the corn? Who? Where, they still had electricity. How do they? How did they have electricity? Four hundred and seventy days after ninety percent of the earth being dead. Where's the electricity coming from? I, I, it, it's the little stupid things like that when I'm watching a movie. I'm going, God damn it, this is a good movie, but this it's not how it works. <laughs> Greg's rules. <laughs> well, no, Greg has rules. Sponsored I by mean, Charmin. I mean, if there's nobody there running the power plant, then you're not going to have any power. Okay. How I, long? I think whenever we watch a movie, we, we like to uh, really just immerse ourselves in it. And, no, and you like to immerse yourself. But that's the type of stuff Not him. that will pull you out of a movie. It will. Because you're sitting there saying, how in the hell is this possible? Like, like Hawkeye's phone ringing and it's his wife on Especially the other line after five Especially yeah. when you're watching that movie and you're an electrician. That's true. See, it was what was the oh, other point? Wow. I looked at Susan. I, like, I get that. Like three minutes into the movie, when the little the little boy died, the first little boy dies, which was fucking, I was like, holy crap, this is how this movie's going to go? And <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> wow. He was told not the to do five that. Yeah. Boys he was told yeah. not to do that. Wow. Yeah. I, so, Chase, so. You are the weakest link. Yes. Wow. Goodbye. 
I said, these things would be easy to kill. And Susan goes, what do you mean? I said, well, they can't see. We know they can't see. So all you do is set up a loud noise where they haul ass and they either fall into a pit and you set them on fire or you they run into whirring blades or, I mean, I, I, I'm just, all these things are running through my head. And then when I get done, I'm like, eh, that was a good movie. All those thoughts are <laughs> there probably. You go. I liked it. There you I mean, go. all those thoughts are well and good until you're literally could be seconds from knowing you're going to die. Probably affects your judgment maybe. a little bit. Maybe. I don't know, but. Yeah, call me crazy. I just enjoy movies. Oh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I liked it. I oh no, he enjoyed it. Oh, you oh, know, he, I, Richard, I air quotes I, enjoyed it. No, Say goodbye, Richard. You're not invited back to the second. <laughs> 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 That's good stuff. What do you say we take a break? Take a break, get a drink, and let's get to it. All right. Mike and I hope that you enjoy listening to our podcast as much as we enjoy making it. But production takes time and resources. If you like what we're doing here at Top 5 for Fighting, we'd really appreciate your support. How can you support us? Well, you can sign up to support us financially through Patreon. Choose a support level, and you can receive great benefits like bonus content that we are currently producing. Purchase some sweet Top 5 for Fighting merchandise from our online store, which is now live. To access either of these options, visit our website, www.top5forfighting.com. And also, please don't forget to spread the word about our podcast. Tell your friends about us. Share our content and our podcast links via any of our social media accounts at Top 5 for Fighting. That's Top, the number five, for fighting on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And finally, if you haven't done it already, and shame on you, leave a review on our show pages on Apple Podcasts, Podomatic, or Stitcher. We greatly appreciate your support. Oh, my goodness, the holiday, the, the fourth celebration flow continues into my cup, and it continues to run into my mouth, and it makes me a happy boy. We are back. <laughs> so this is a pretty vivid picture. Pretty, pretty vivid. Yeah, like, you don't, ever deep. Like deep. you don't ever give us some pretty vivid pictures through the, via the text, you I, I son can't of even, a bitch. Yeah, I, can't even yeah, talk I see about that look on what? your face. I don't about. There's a part of my childhood that has died because of Mike's texts. <laughs> this, this is this wow. ditto. This is not accurate. Wow. Ditto. ditto. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is technically our second episode of the month because we did uh, we did drop the first episode on the first of July. So this is the episode where we do our true Florida story and our Charmin corner, and uh, we have a submission this week from the same listener, and he has asked us not to say his name, so we won't say his name because we don't want to get her or him in trouble. Um, Mike is going to read the true Florida story, um, and then we're going to discuss for just a couple of minutes because this is kind of fun. All right. So just obviously for anonymity, so I'm just going to say this guy's name is Colin Kaepernick. Love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Wait a minute. Doesn't they, Don't they say somewhere in here that he's got a job, though? So it can't be Colin. No, but I can't do this. This tablet is offensive. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Why? Because there's no flag on it? <laughs> All right. I work for a local water utility, and only in Florida can you have a citizen chewing your ass off for having their water off as you see their wife watering the plants with a hose. And when you bring this to the citizen's attention, he accuses you of lying. Not just in Florida, everywhere. That's – talk <laughs> about painting a vivid picture. <laughs> right? Especially <laughs> going to some of those uppity neighborhoods. I can totally see that happening. How stupid would you feel if you walked out on the street to give somebody some shit and the person behind you at your house was doing exactly what you were bitching about? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. That, that that's good stuff. That is a fun one. Yes. So now do we move on to our Charmin circle? Yeah. Now we move on to the Charmin circle. You want to read it? 
this is a doozy. All right. All right. I just love the f- the way they just get right to the point. Same listener. I'm going to shit all over Universal Studios. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, just get right to it. Specifically the fact that the fact that they're not fat guy friendly and the sea cows they have working on the rides. Having a fat ass who outweighs you by at least 100 pounds use the phrase, hey, get off the ride. You're too fat to ride. Then walk. <laughs> then the walking whale forcibly drags you off and sends you down a dark hallway. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's the best part. Fuck you and the river of cellulite you rode in on. <laughs> I would have said paddled, <laughs> but that's just me. Right. Also, because of Universal's deal with Marvel from years ago, Disney World can't have the Marvel rides like they do overseas. So fuck you, Universal. Never getting a dime from me since 2009. That's our Charmin Corner for the week, wow. for the month. That's pretty solid. Wow. That's He's an angry elf. How do you feel? Don't sugarcoat it. Well, you, you get why it out would there. you sugarcoat it? You should never sugarcoat it. Being honest is, the, is r- right. Right, Richard? Be honest. Yes. I'm going to tell you the, the, time. the yes. best part of that was the, the way that he worked in the phrase sea cows. <laughs> I know. That was the he could have said manatee, <laughs> but yeah, he didn't. Uh, aquatic heifer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Manatee, a- aquatic heifer. Holy crap. The, the knowledge that is being dropped on this table right now is yes. mind-numbing. That's <laughs> knowledge. That, that, is, uh, that is fantastic shit, sir. That is fantastic. So if you guys have a, sh- a Florida story, a true Florida story, or a Charmin story that you want us to, to read, uh, we are definitely going to do one on the second episode of every month. We'll do one of each. But we will also, if we get enough of them, probably start including them in our bonus content. Uh, we will be releasing our Patreon page this week. Hopefully, by the time um, this comes out, maybe you guys can, can sponsor us a little bit or something. Uh, w- if you want, we would appreciate it. If not, y- we won't be too angry. And I'll tell you what's going to be make good bonus content. Charmin stories from positions like i don't know lawyers and teachers oh man yeah those are going to be pretty solid those people have seen some shit yeah they have seen some shit um no comment (laughs) we got we got some some bonus some super (laughs) some super good bonus things that we're going to be putting up on the patreon page and it's not just like you know it's not something silly it's actually going to be more more content so so you guys can uh you can laugh in your dungeon some more mr eddie oh it's going to be silly it's going to be silly and we're going to have a good time doing it and hopefully you have a good time listening to it um, also, um, w- w- I mean, by the time you hear this, you should know that we're going to be launching our merchandise store as well. Um, what? We have we have a very very special guest coming by to uh, broadcast and talk with us about the launch of our of our store. Um, should be a video up on our Facebook page or on our website. So you guys um, pay attention for that. That's going to be happening. Should have happened by the time the store by by the time the uh, episode drops. The reason that we're coinciding them together like this is because the first two weeks that we open the store, everybody gets a 10% discount. You don't have to have a special code or anything. So we wanted to launch the store the same day we dropped this episode so that we give everybody, if they decided they wanted to buy some stuff, the opportunity to have a 25% discount. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. So Bre- breaking I'm news. Breaking news. Breaking news. This just in. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick letting us know it's a 15% discount. That was the marketing angel in the background correcting me, and she put up two hands and then a five, which typically means 25, but maybe she meant 25 minus 10 is 15. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because she's smarter than I am. And if I have any say, if I have any say, the special code for that uh, other discount is going to be Backdoor Babes 3. Backdoor Babes 3. That's one. And the marketing (laughs) angel has left the room. (laughs) (laughs) For good reason. Understandably. 
Just because I want people to feel totally filthy when they type that in. Oh, right. Backdoor Babes 3. Now, can I have my shirt? <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, uh, you've never been on the show before. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us uh, – got questions I'm going to ask, so we're going to find out some, some information about you so everybody sure, can relate. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so, I moved here when I was 13 uh, from Colorado. I, I miss it almost every day. Uh, but uh, moving down here has been a great thing for me. Uh, I went to USF. Uh, that's where I graduated from. Uh, and I also I started my college education at the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, but then I decided I, I wanted to, to work with kids. Uh, so I ended up going into education, and uh, I've been a teacher. Uh, it'll be my seventh year uh, coming up. And I've done six years with the middle schoolers, and this year I'm – I'm going to be teaching the high schoolers. Fine. Well, coming coming from a Marine, working with the Coast Guard is kind of like working with kids. Yeah, oh. that's, that's you real that mature. That's I, I, I've never heard <laughs> that one I before, I never guys. said we were smart. We're I've just Marines. I've never heard that one before. Let me ask all three of you guys, since you guys were all in the service. Have you got, when is the last time you heard a ribbing military joke on, on your branch that you had not heard yet? Oh Jesus! Because I, I, I know remember. it. Ha I know it runs rampant when you meet people. And we stuff. all do it. We it all yeah, do it. it just bounces around. I mean, it's yeah. like yeah. it's like little brother pirate. It's like little brother. You know, yeah. yeah, you Mike can make fun of your little brother all day long, and and you smile about it. As soon as somebody else makes fun of your little brother, you knock their teeth out. That's a good analogy. Are you kidding me? In this group, I am the little brother, <laughs> so I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> no, we uh, all, we all do it. Now. We had well, I don't know. The army is pretty much. Uh, self-sufficient and the coast guard is pretty much they work with themselves a lot as well sure and the air force is the same way but the marines are very very dependent on the navy because the marine corps is actually a a branch uh, they are a division of the department of the navy there's a department of the army a department of the, of the air force and a department of the navy and there's a department of the coast guard but there is no department of the marine corps the marine corps is like a subset of the navy so everything we do involves the navy uh, in fact, anything that the Marine Corps has has to be uh, able to deploy from a ship. And the only reason they have C-130s is because they modified them to be able to take off from an aircraft carrier. So is that the, is the reason for that because there's no Department of the Marine Corps that if you're with the Navy, they need to read everything to you? They do. <laughs> well, that's, that's why. They, it's 100% accurate. It's 100% accurate. And, <laughs> and, and we have to show them how to be men. So oh, it, it, oh. it works out. Too easy. No, it is too easy. But but because of that, we do uh, almost everything we do. <laughs> yeah, hook, <laughs> line, and sinker. Right, Richard? <laughs> everything that you do in the Marine Corps involves 90% of the time doing it with the, Marine, the Navy. Right. So you, it's, it's constant. It's like you're at a civilian job, and you three are making fun of each other all day long while you're working together. That That's what it is. So. Right. To hear a marine joke that I've never heard, I I, I heard the for, same for pretty I heard, rare. Heard the same freaking jokes for seven years. It right. was it was just it, it was crazy. It was mind numbing. I figured, but we didn't. We, we hardly ever interacted with the army, and we hardly ever interacted with the, the the coast guard. We did interact. I did for six months when I was in Italy for the Somalia stuff. They they had us all stocked at uh, Aviano Air Base, which was designed for like two thousand people. And when I was there, there was like forty thousand of us. Wow. So shit shit was going down because we had we had. There was like 18 squadrons there, I think. So there was a bunch of bunch of people. We're living in tents. I mean, we're living in tents 
freezing our asses off in the Air Forces, living up on top of the mountain in the ski lodge, making more money a day in per diem than we were making in base pay. Yeah, that sounds about that, right. That, that's yeah, one, sounds 100% right. right. I mean, that's just the way it was. But so, you know, at that point, you had a lot of jokes thrown around, but sure. new jokes, I didn't, I don't think I, it was, it's been a long yeah. time. I figured you hear so many of them. I just, with that rare occurrence that someone actually pops off a new one. A very rare. Yeah, occurrence. I figured as much. And every every marine joke does involve being stupid or eating crayons or eating crayons or eating crayons. That's listen. I don't give a shit what any of you say. The red that's ones taste the best. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my f- that, that's the one to me that's the most funny. Is just the, the whole crayons. You know, we, you guys and me. When I was there at the school, we have a student in the Marines over in Japan right now, Nathan Ward. Yeah, right. And I crack crayon jokes to him all the time. Yeah. I asked his dad what Nathan's favorite flavor crayon was. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's. It's fun stuff. I'll, s- I'll say this. Some of the nicest guys I ever met, I met in the Marine Corps. And some of the biggest dicks that I ever met, I met in the Marine Corps. And some of the dumbest people, I am serious, some of the dumbest people I ever met in my life in the Marine Corps. Here's a true story. <laughs> a guy that worked in our shop in the Marine Corps, was consti- he was constantly in trouble. And the shop that I was in, was they kind of felt like we were rejects. And we weren't actually working our MOS. But when you went over here, you actually got to do real work. So a lot of people wanted to work there. This kid constantly got in trouble, constantly got in trouble. So they sent him over to us. And he's got this probably like a 76 Bronco. You remember how big those Broncos were? And this was, 90, this was 93, 94. He's got this 76 Bronco that looked like it was, it was literally held together with 400-mile-an-hour tape, which is what we call the green, army, the green military tape. We called it 400-mile-an-hour tape. And he w- he was like an, he was a private. He was always getting in trouble. He was always broke because he was always getting he was always getting fined and you know s- in trouble. And he got a, a flat on his tire one day, and something had happened where he had literally cut the sidewall of the tire. Oof. You know how he tried to fix it? Four hundred <laughs> tape. Six cans of fix a flat. He put wow. six cans of fix a flat in his tire. I don't know how he got the second can of fix a flat in his tire, but he did. Six cans of fix a flat. Determination. I. <laughs> they told him. They taught him in boot camp, son. When you set your mind to something, you do it. I guess he took that shit literal. I couldn't believe it. That that tire was like a concrete block. It literally. It. I bet you that thing weighed two hundred pounds when he was done with it. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Six cans. Six. Wow. Speaking of the military. Let's just l- let's get to it. You want to get to it? Let's get to it. All right. That's why we drug these guys out of bed on a post-holiday morning. Sounds good to me. Amen. All right. So our top five list this week was suggested by, I can't remember, it was one of you two. It was Richard or Mike. I can't remember. And we wanted to bring Nick in because him being a history teacher, I mean, this is proper, is going to be top our top five moments in American history. But we're not going to say our top, what, our, what our, our, our item is. We're going to give the date, and then we're going to see how many of us can get it right, and then we're going we're gonna to keep track, and we're going to see who wins at the end of this. Spoilers, I'm going to lose. Well, probably. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know. know. Some of these. Now, um, I, I'm going to tell you something. We've done some hard ones. We've done some hard top fives lists. This was hard because there are so many things that have done so many different things for our country. Nick said the same thing on the way here. It was very difficult. It, right? I, I had a list of probably 25, 30, 40 different right. things that I wanted to put on, and, and that all of them could be in my top five. Right. Okay, so having said that, you had 40. 
don't tell us what they are, but how did you, what criteria did you use to say, you know, this one's more important than that one? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I uh, know, that's why I asked it. Uh, you're, you're he a does that a lot. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just, I'm just honored to be in your presence. Yeah. He does that a lot. Uh, he asks yeah. awesome questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I'm blushing. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's what we do here. That's for Babes 3. Why? Uh, my criteria was obvi- obviously uh, it goes without saying something that was very significant, but for for my list, I also wanted to go off the beaten path a little bit. There's a couple things on my list that are I, I think probably going to be universals on all of our list, uh, but there were a, a few things that for one reason or another, just as I was going over my own list, really thought you know that that be something that I'd I'd put right at the top. That's that's freaking awesome, and not to cut anybody else off, that's where I went. I tried to pick things that Same. were off the beaten path, that but also not it, it was it had s- ramifications for so many different things, whether it be cultural or financial or right. stuff like that. Sure. Long lasting. Yeah. What about you, Richard? Richard. I think I went more traditional. Uh, with the the list because I, I did the same thing you know I said listen I can, I could this list could be incredibly long right but I thought you know what it, if we're talking about five events then they have to be monstrously historic and overwhelmingly generational century changing moments right paradigm and shifts almost yeah, yeah. who and we are that's kind of how I went with it end game level end game yeah, end game level yeah those are wow that's I like that see how from I tied that in from yeah. paradigm to end game I mean, it's legit. Nice job, Mike. Well, I mean, they released it in America. <laughs> Good point. It was, it, some of it was filmed in America. How about you, Mikey? Uh, same. I didn't want to have the same stuff that everyone else was going to have. I have two that probably are guaranteed to be on most of your guys' list. Uh, but I went for ones that just stood out to me personally. Uh, the, you remember the most, like studying stuff that I really caught my attention in history class, which was one of my favorite classes, even in college. Uh, stuff that I just wanted to read about more, learn um, learn more about, and just stuck with me, basically. But, yeah, you're right. It, it could have been, I mean, a full page. Yeah, we could have done a top 40. <coughs> you could have, fighting, legitimately. Right? <coughs> so. So, Mr. Freeberg, you're our newest guest. We're mm. going to go ahead and let you start. Excellent. I appreciate that. Well, uh, th- this one is going to be very easy to guess, and, th- and you guys can just go ahead and, and give yourselves the tallies on this one. Uh, obviously the date for this one, uh, was, was just yesterday, July wow. 4th, 1776. You know, I, I, I think that's a date that every American, whether they know it or not, uh, the day they're born, that date is stamped on their heart. Uh, it should it, be, it, it should it, be, it should be, it's, it's an incredibly special day. Uh, obviously uh, signing of the Declaration of Independence, and, and, and that's a an incredible event, and and that that's one of those things that could have been five, four, three, two, one. It could have been anywhere on the list, uh, but but I like to think that no great story is told in the first chapter, right? It, this is a starting point. This is where we got going, uh, and just a couple things from from the Declaration of Independence that really stand out to me. First of all, Thomas Jefferson, a man of of few words. He was not loquacious by any means. But when you put that quill in his hand, magic happened. 
right? He talks about certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and then ending with we pledge our lives, fortunes, and then ends with sacred honors to each other, right? We are not asking for independence. We are declaring independence, and it is happening today, be it life or death. We don't give a damn how it goes, but this is happening now. Interesting enough, uh, he forgot he had to do this until July 3rd. He, he realized he put it off. He, yeah, he had to, he had to cram. I mean, classic. <laughs> I, if you if you wait till the last minute, it only takes a minute. Right. Did right. you see that thing that I posted? I, I Thomas Jefferson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh shit! This oh, is due shit, tomorrow. That's due tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that was my, good. My favorite thing about the Declaration of Independence was when Herbie Hancock signed it. <laughs> yeah. Herbie Hancock. <laughs> On the Her- Herbie. Yeah, that's a that's a Tommy Boy pull <laughs> right there. Pivotal signatures. That's the old Herbie Hancock. <laughs> I didn't I didn't put it on my list because I knew it was going to be on somebody else's list, and I wanted us to be able to talk about some different things. But you're you're right. I mean, how do you not start with that? I did for sure. I had that on there. Right. I, it's just such a pivotal moment, right? And, and it, it's a moment where it, it, think about this today, guys. Right. Think about this today. Uh, if you're just sitting in a room with 13 people, forget 13 what would be United States. Getting 13 people to agree on anything and then getting 13 people to say we are going to risk everything. everything. Yep. And, and you're not just risking everything against a, an equal opponent. You're risking everything against the most powerful empire that the world had ever seen. When they said, you know, the sun never sets on the British Empire, that wasn't hyperbole. That that was was real. That was fact. They covered the globe. And 13 small colonies said, enough. Enough. We're going to do our own thing. Absolutely. I think for me, for me, that's where I have to start. I like it. That's a good start. And since I had that on my list, I and I know this only is only probably I would look at it. The Patriot is one of my favorite movies, and I watch it every Fourth of July. And I watched it the other night, and it's it, it and it really drives that point home. Like when you, yes, it's just a movie and all that stuff, but when you think about what, like you just perfectly described it, what had to take place, undermanned, underarmed. Much of that movie takes place in people's backyards. Yep. I mean, that's not something that we can really understand. There's I mean, what that really meant. There's like twice in the movie that you literally, they looked out of their house window, and there's a battle going on, and there's redcoats running across their yard, and there's right. there's Americans retreating, and, and it's, like you said, they're... Yard. Well, that movie right. shows that movie shows one of the main reasons that we defeated the British is because we were able to adapt. They wanted to stand in the line and shoot, and we were like, you know, what? we can't do that. So, you guys are going to run a you guys are going to run a power eye, but we're going to run a spread. Yeah, and, that, and that's what and that's and that's what was. Thank uh, God, Mel Gibson. Now, here's was the there. crazy thing. Here's the crazy yeah, thing about Mel Gibson being in that. The only reason that he went and did that for our country was because there wasn't a, a strong Jewish presence Here we in go. the country at the time. They would have had to have gotten somebody else because Mel Gibson, right the Mel Gibson would have done <laughs> But yeah. Come wow. on, it's, it's a fantastic wow. movie, but we can still make fun of Mel Gibson yeah, for being a dipshit, right? Of, of oh, I, I think he's earned it. I think he's earned it. Forever. Yeah. Forever. You yeah. certain things, but yeah, that just to add on to what Nick said, and because that was on my list, that 
that movie specifically, it really, if a movie can do that, like Saving Private Ryan did, it kind of puts you in that, Jesus, what would you do, like, what was that scenario like? And I think that movie paints a pretty good picture of how brutal and hard and the, and not the only fight. does it put you there, but it makes you very, very, very proud. Oh, I was ready to get uh, on the roof and wave the flag. Early <laughs> no, American I citizens. I mean, what what they must have understood was going on because defeat means complete military occupation. Well, that's the the Patriot takes you through that. G- Mel Gibson at the beginning of the movie, he's like, I don't, I, this is, we can't do this. We, we, we will lose everything. We will lose our way of life. So I got a family to take care of. Right. I, how do I support him? And he's like, I, I can't be a part of this. And, and he then, didn't want to in the beginning. And then he got drug into it and then he was like, you guys done fucked up now. A in. lot of colonists were living fairly autonomous lives. Yeah. Uh, there so, was no Twitter. So to convince them to risk this uh, you would need a guy like Thomas Jefferson yeah, to, to write a declaration. Yeah. Yep. My favorite part of the declaration is when he says, we're not asking. We're, we're, we're basically stamping this shit and sending it to you and saying this is how it's going to be. Word right. for word. Yeah. Right. No, uh, this, this, how, this is how it it's is. It's happening. Yeah. All right. Richard, what's your number five, buddy? Uh, no one's going to get this. I'll just say that right now. But it is Pretty November twenty fifth, 2002. November twenty fifth, two thousand and two. No one's gonna get this. I think the Patriots beat the Packers in overtime on <laughs> Monday Night Football on that. <laughs> Double one. overtime. Double overtime on a hail mary. Yeah, November twenty fifth, two thousand two. I should know that, but I don't. Was that the day we captured oh, oh. Saddam Hussein? No. The the um, the Patriot Act. No, you're close, but no. When we killed Bin Laden. No, he just said that. No, he said, I said Saddam, Saddam Hussein. Hussein. Oh, Bin Laden. No. Bin Laden was no. that the the the, the, the it's it's that's right. I'm saying the Patriot Act, but the one where it allows um, them to wiretap your phone, surveillance that or it's it's that or the creation of the Homeland Defense. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. It's it's the creation of the 15th Cabinet post under the U.S. President, which is the Department of Homeland Security. Let well me, done. Let me, let me well t- done. Let me tell you something about this monstrous Leviathan. Okay. This is bureaucracy like no one has ever seen before, right? This is a multi, multi, tens of billion dollar operation with close to a quarter of a million employees. In the short amount of time it's been in existence, it is the third largest federal bureaucracy behind DOD and the VA. Wow. And here are the offices under the Department of Homeland Security. FEMA, ICE, the TSA, the Coast Guard, the U.S. Secret Service, Domestic Nuclear de- uh, Detection Office, Office of Civil Rights, Office of the General Counsel, Office of Intelligent Analysis, Office of the in- Inspector General, and, and there's still more I'm not listing. Wow. So this is the 15th cabinet post. There were 14 prior to that, and it was came as a direct result of what happened to terrorist attacks in New York City. Right, September that's 11, that's 20, the only reason I got it because I, I knew it's because it, it was right after 9/11. And it is frighteningly scary, huge monster bureaucracy. And you look at Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning, and Edward Snowden. All happened after this this department was created. The level of surveillance, um, as a matter of fact, just happened you know recently with the uh, literally 
spying on a political campaign. I don't care how anybody wants to paint it. The facts are what they are. They spied on the political campaign. Carter Page is an American citizen. They literally violated his Fourth Amendment rights by going through, quote unquote, the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, and literally just swore out a warrant on a foreign intelligence dossier that was literally made up that Christopher Steele's already testified under oath that he doesn't know what part of that dossier is correct. My understanding is FISA courts are secret. 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 Th that is, none of that is divulged. Especially when, especially when it comes to American citizens. Okay? That's what's shocking about that. Especially when it comes to American citizens. They have protocols in place not to violate American citizens' rights under the Fourth Amendment. Seems like that should never happen. FISA does not trump the Constitution. Nothing does. Nothing. But this, to me, this federal bureaucracy is one of the scariest things I've ever seen created in, the, in our history. So how does something like that go around what should be? They violated somebody's rights. But where's the checks and balances there? Like The FISA court is supposed to be the checks and balance. Supposed to be. The, f the FISA judges are appointed by John Roberts, who is the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and they are supposed to give you know different types of analysis of what's going on with the FISA applications. They're done in complete secret, so there's no defense attorney that can challenge it. How's okay. that? 9 11 exactly. is the game changer. It, it right. is. It, it really is. was. And Everything and they changes after that. Right. They, they do what they do in the name of uh, freedom and democracy, but Correct. they've also. Safety. What they did was they wrote themselves a blank check to be able to do whatever That's they correct. want to That's do. That's exactly right. And th they've set it up to where it's like, I mean, <clears throat> I will say this. Um, uh, everybody gets angry because they have the right now, legally, the right to wiretap your phone if they think they should. Your co right, well, that's well. They right. have to have probable cause on probable that. Probable cause. But FISA says if they think, right? If you're if they think you're communicating with a foreign national, right. they can get a warrant in secret. Which is which is where I was going, and I say you can tap my phone all you want if you don't if you want to hear a bunch of dick jokes. I, I guess tap my phone, um, but but regardless, there's still the ability there for them to violate your constitutional rights even though they're doing it to protect the Constitution, which is the greatest form of irony ever. But Richard's right. The Leviathan of, the, the Leviathan of these huge government branches, like the VA, which, as veterans, we all know, is a fucking joke. I don't go to it. I don't buy Why? So, it, it, and it, he's, he's right. It's a question I ask my students a lot. Did uh, you do your homework? Liberty versus Security, right? Yes. Wow. Right. Yeah. Because if you if you have a hundred percent liberty, that's a good question. There's probably not much security. If you have a hundred percent security, I can promise you there's no liberty. Yeah. So what is the balance? And, and I think the long term question is for for young kids growing up today. This is going to be their norm. So I don't think we're going to see a reversal of this. And in fact, I think you will see security continue to rise and liberty continue to diminish because they are opposing ideals. You, you cannot have complete liberty and complete security. They, they don't work that way. Especially with the thought processes of, of most of our politicians. And when I say that, I don't want any Democrats getting mad at me, any Republicans getting mad at me. 
they're all mostly for themselves. Unfortunately, I hate to say that. As far as I'm, far as I'm concerned, they're there to line their own pockets. They want what they want. Term so limits would help <coughs> quite a bit. It, oh, it, they. I don't know why they aren't there already. Right. You're absolutely correct. But money. Well, I can tell you why. Yeah, we're not. We, we probably don't go oh, ahead. Oh, they'd have to pass that. What, would yeah. you create a law that would limit no. your salary? No. And how, how much you can work and how long you can work? No, of Absolutely course, of not. course, not I would. Why would they? So there's so many things there, that that's that's um boy that's a that's it's a rabbit hole one. that we need to go down for a bonus episode. Uh, I think. But they did sure. it for the president. Yeah, they did. Well, of After course. After FDR. Of point. course, because they were scared shitless that he was going to get elected again. And you know what? If he hadn't died, he would have. Twenty second amendment. Because he was crushing it. He was fucking tearing it up. All right. Wow, that's a good one. Thanks for bringing the room down, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I have hopes you guys can accomplish it. Scared to even go on my phone now. All right. <laughs> uh, why? Why? Because yeah. of the dick pic I sent? No, Backdoor Babes 2 is oh, still out. Oh, Backdoor Babes 2 no. is still out. <laughs> All right. So when I was making my list, um, I have a period of, of history, American history, that I, I'm fascinated with. I, I love it. And it was really hard that my top five did not all come from the same one. But my number five did, comes from this era. And my top, f- my number five is June 6th, uh, June 3rd through June 6th of 1942. 42? I thought you were going with 44. That's two years Because that would have been. That's two years before. Yeah. Stumped. Midway. What do you think? The Battle of Midway. Mm. That's a good call. Philippines? MacArthur in the Philippines? Battle of Midway. Midway? I knew it. Nice job. Speaking this of which, has everyone seen the trailer for Midway? Which fucking made me so mad yeah. because you're like, have you seen this? And I'm like, oh, it's in my top five list. <laughs> yeah, it looks going to be really good. I know exactly why you picked that too, but go ahead. Tell me, Tell me why. Well, because this was Pearl Harbor, except it wasn't. Yeah. This was – this made – Without Ben Affleck? Our, uh, <laughs> bullshit. Right? Why even bother watching? Mid, the Battle of Midway, to me, was the most pivotal battle for the, the, the Pacific War that we had because even though that happened six months after Pearl Harbor, that was when we broke Japan's n- naval – they bro- we broke their back. We basically destroyed 90% of their Navy. And it still took us three years to get to Japan. Can you imagine if we had not tricked them the way we did and they had their full Navy fighting us tooth and nail? We, we, we'd have been at war in the 50s. We really would have. Um, for anybody who doesn't know the story, we broke Japan's uh, code, we, their encryption. We broke their encryption. And they were constantly talking about we were about to attack AF. They called it AF. They didn't call it what it actually was. So our intelligence said, we need to trick them to find out where this is because if we're ready for them, we're at a point now where we can beat them. So they sent out an, an unencrypted message saying that Midway's water purification system was down. And like six hours later, we, in, we, broke, one, we broke their code and they had acknowledged that AF was short on fresh water. And we knew that was it. We took our entire Pacific fleet that we had, everything that we had, we sent to Midway, and we caught them in a two-prong because they raced in acting like nothing was going to happen, and we absolutely decimated them. We sunk like three destroyers, two carriers. We, we took down like 140 of their planes. We, we crushed them. 
and it was still that hard for us to then get for, for the Philippines and Wake Island and Iwo Jima, and it was, it was brutal. That, to me, was why it was so important, because if we'd have had to fight them that whole time with all of their resources, it would have been rough. Right. That would have been rough. We wouldn't have had anything to send to the European theater. I'm excited for this movie just for that reason, so you can actually learn, I mean, hopefully learn more about it, but I just I thought it looked really good. Yeah, I think, I think it's an excellent pick. Uh, uh, another one of those things is, you know, finding actionable intelligence and then having the guts to take action because it, ballsy even if you have the best intelligence it, it can still go wrong and, and to send it all uh at midway and, and then have an outcome uh like like we had that that's an incredible we we surprised them at midway and we still got pumped we st- we still took a couple of haymakers to the jaw. Right. right. We lost a we lost a couple ships. We lost a bunch of airplanes. It was also the point in the war where our where our military superiors decided we can't use the aircraft we have anymore because we can't keep up with the zero. And that's when they started working on the P fifty one. Yeah, the ceiling of the zero was I, I think nearly five thousand feet higher yeah. than anything it, that we it, had, and it was faster. And it was it was it was quicker, not just like overall top speed. It was more maneuverable, and they and the, the planes we had just couldn't they couldn't keep up with it. And they and and they proved that there was one plane that they used at the Battle of Midway that they lost all of them. It was a it was a, a dive bomber. They said we're not even going to bother to make any more of these. Right. Scrap up, that. Yeah, this this they they had like eight of them, and they had zero casualties inflicted. They missed all eight of them. Missed. They were like, yeah, we're we're done there. It was it was. It was just, to me, it was the turning point of the Pacific War. Excellent pick. They kind of touched on that with the Zeros in Pearl Harbor, didn't they? Because they cruised at such a high altitude that we didn't see them coming. Yes. We we just didn't even, it didn't even register. I think think they actually flew under our radar. Was it? They flew extremely low. Yeah, they were very, very low. Mm -hmm. But, But because they were so fast and so quick, they were able to do that. See, our planes couldn't do that because they couldn't maintain that velocity over that low of the air. They were agile we, enough yeah, to move Yeah, we had to fly around. higher. Those things were fast. They were. They were. Th- I'm going to tell you something, man. You can look at World War II, and that's the era of, of history to me that fascinates me. You can look at – there's like three moments in World War II where if we do something a little bit differently, we lose. And and that's not that's not a joke. Or if Hitler does something a little bit differently, right, we I mean, lose. Speaking about the uh, code-breaking, right, enigma. Over in Europe, I mean the the essential nature of that because the the subnet that they had around Europe was fearsome. Yes, and it if, was. if we don't if we don't crack Enigma, good luck getting onto the mainland. And at Midway, uh, the Japanese were have supposed to have sent out a new encryption set six days before we broke it, and they were just late. They just did. They hadn't done it. Either they got lazy or whatever, and that's the only reason we broke it and found out. So it was just, yeah, may- maybe they were having a party. Maybe it was a, Chinese, a great Chinese New Year or something. A yeah, great e- exactly. All right, good one. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you know, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no um, I just want to point out that my list is so American. I have barbecue sauce on it. Oh my god! Wow. Just saying. That sounds good. I was literally I can smell the freedom. I was <laughs> smell I, exactly. Freedom. It's good because I could taste it. <laughs> yeah, I was doing this while eating barbecued chicken. Well, thanks for I putting like effort it. into it, buddy. Drink, drinking a Miller Lite with an American flag on the can. Mm. That's mm, mm. 
Wait, um, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. They were actually able to put that on the shelves. I'm sorry. I and had, an I eagle had, on I your shoulder. Yeah. Fuck yes, they did. And I made sure to show everyone that flag on that can all I day in the, in the water. I love it. Um, mine, I have, I, I put these two together because I thought they were pretty much both huge moments. Um, you guys are automatically going to get them. June 6th, 1944. Sure. Of course. Yeah. And February 19th, 1945. June sixth is D Day, yep. and February nineteenth was V Day, wasn't it? VJ Day. VJ. What's the day again? Vinnie Johnson was not there, sir. February Wait, what? Vic Victory in Japan Day. VJ Day is Victory in Japan Day. Iwo Jima. Iwo Jima. Oh. Yeah, I just because uh, obviously D Day. I mean, since I've known you guys, we always get right. in, the, in those discussions. You know, my grandfather was a, um, in World War Two. It was you know the stories and stuff growing up as a kid. It just the the massive force that went into that invasion on all those beaches uh you know it was uh, operation overlord i think is when it started that's when the uh, airborne jumped in was it two nights before the battle Correct. before the invasion uh britain canada france the americans all to take that beach um everything that goes into that all the stories all the movies that have been made just the effort that went into that the size and the scope and not only that in what kind of gets lost is the ramifications if we don't win, if if that invasion fails and we we can't we can't launch from there, or take that spot over to to bring in more supplies, troops, vehicles, and all that stuff. That the ramifications of a loss there would have been possibly war changing. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to D Day, uh, it, it starts months before that. Uh, it starts with General Patton slapping a young soldier <laughs> and the reason that is so significant uh obviously our enemy uh, led by adolf hitler slapping a soldier is it's meaningless it doesn't it doesn't matter right but it mattered to us and, and the reason this is important is we create a balloon army that's true Yep, tanks. And it's being led by Patton. That's right. And Hitler believes oh, Patton's going to be the spearhead. He has to be the spearhead. You know, this guy's a World War One vet. He, he is a highly decorated general. He is going to lead the invasion. So the massive Tiger and King Tiger tanks are positioned far away from Normandy. And he believes that Patton will be the spearhead, and, and he is not. It, it's, it's one of those great times when, when your own morals, your own ethics can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was an incredible moment and an incredible fake uh, that we were able to give him. Uh, and, of course, Eisenhower uh, uh, being our – our commander and and taking us onto that beach. I mean that that's the that's the day of days. You you have to have success there. If you don't, uh, Europe might be locked down. Well, it, it made my list. That definitely. is, I in you know, like I said before, if if that fails, we more than likely fail in Europe. Like we right. What's it, the plan B? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there wasn't you one. Fail there. Yeah. It, you don't have a plan. There, there was no plan B, and the reason there was no plan B was because they knew that eventually plan A would succeed. 
it was just a question of how much resources it was going to cost. Right. How much do we got to yeah, sand? That, right. that, that, yeah, that's right. really that's really what it was. Right. They knew that they had everything where Patton was. They knew they had to hit that beach. And you know the main reason that we were eventually able to take over uh, the beach at Normandy was because the German machine gunners' barrels melted. They shot so many rounds, they weren't able to use their automatic machine guns anymore, and we were finally able to penetrate to get close enough to where yeah, they were. Yeah, the, the buzzsaw yes. had, a, had a problem it with did. their barrels, they and, and cool. they would overheat rapidly. That's right. One thing I always like looking at, too, when it comes to that whole invasion between the, the beaches, the Juneau and Omaha, the, the layout of all that and the positions that the Germans had was top. I mean, like, fearless. Like, who's going to take us? They have... Well, landing on the beach the was, high was, was going to be astronomical. Right, their bunkers of the Second World War were were very similar to their trenches of yeah. the First World yeah. War. Right. I mean, it, it was next level defense mechanism. Hitler was before stupid. you hit the sand. Right, that was before you hit the sand. Yeah. Right, yeah. the strategic positioning of the Germans on that was just wait for them to get off. First, they got to fight through the water and not drown with all their equipment. With if they had to jump off those landing boats then they had to fight their way onto the beach which is wide open land and they're up top with those buzz saws just looking down at a bunch of ants and just spraying fight i mean the losses were huge but just it speaks to the bravery of our airborne uh yesterday i watched uh president trump's speech and uh there was a, a quote that he used and I, I i forget the general uh that it's attributed to uh, but he said, the Nazis built a fortress around Europe, but they forgot to put the roof on. And our airborne going in before, I mean, think about it. You're dropping into, I mean, you're surrounded on every side. Y and you know this. Yeah, there's right. no, there is and, no retreat. And you have no idea where the rest of your platoon is, let alone your squad. And, and this. And the then they challenges. had all, all the issues that they had, dropping them in with the high winds and at the night. aircraft at night. Yeah. At night. There's a reason they're called the greatest generation. Yeah. There's a reason. Right. I, 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 I'm not going to say it because I don't remember it. The number of the percentage of men that never made it off the transports at Normandy Beach. Right. It right. was like 40%. Right. I, that's, I, I know that's not right. Look it up. But it was ridiculous how many guys, as soon as the gate dropped, were done. The, it was, right it was over. It was over. So – that's a that's a big time day. To, yeah. to this day, we've everybody's had the discussion. What's the first thing you do if they win the lotto? Mine is a trip to Normandy, without a doubt. That that is one place on this earth that hopefully someday that I could see and visit, because I just it was that huge. It was impressive. Yeah, what, what they did it was incredible. So that was mine. Nice, that's a good one. Great pick. That was number five. Right. All right. Yeah. Six. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Number four. Uh, so, for me, this event took place on August 28th, 1963. Hold on. August 28th. Damn. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to guess that had something to do with the Civil Rights Movement. It may have. Was that something to do with um, Oswald? Six no. 63... Um, I can't remember what year Martin Luther King got shot. Was that 63? That was No, that was the summer of 68. That's right, it was. Cause Kennedy yep. would be assassinated in the same year. So that's why I thought it was Oswald, because he had a, he had a prior attempt on a law oh. enforcement officer. Um, I don't... I Go, I what do you got? That was Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. Oh. Ah, see? Damn it. 
Well, I was close uh, with the civil rights. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so for a, a few reasons, I chose this. One, uh, the location of the speech. Giving that speech in front of Lincoln yeah. nearly 100 years later. Uh, you know, Lincoln started a ball rolling that wouldn't finish rolling for a very long time. It Un- really still hasn't. It really still it's hasn't. Really still hasn't stopped and, rolling. And to me, that's just something that's unacceptable. And a- a- every once in a while, uh, in cultures all around the world, great men of peace do arise. And unfortunately, they always seem to find very violent ends. And, and Dr. King is no different. Gandhi. Gandhi, an- another great example. Uh, Dr. King, my, my favorite part about that speech is that it was an imp- impromptu speech. Uh, when Dr. King got to the mall that day, he did not expect the crowd. And he had had a speech prepared and decided to leave it in his pocket. Uh, this was not a moment he had prepared for, so why would he read a prepared speech? And you saw the reverend come out. You saw the peace exuding from him. Uh, and, of course, Dr. King is going to play an influential role in the Civil Rights Act. Another thing about Dr. King that always amazed me, and, and when we talk about Republicans and Democrats, you need to rem- remember Republicans and Democrats of the 60s are a little bit different than they are today. Yeah, uh, And he worked closely with an old Southern Democrat, LBJ, uh, to make this happen. And, and you can say, really, the switch of the political parties began with Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Johnson helps this act get passed. His home state of Georgia leaves him. He is not reelected. And the South goes from Southern Democrat to a Republican-held area. And, yep. they, and it's remained that way. So, yeah, Dr. King, uh, he had to be on my list somewhere. I wanted to remember him for for that speech. Well done. That's damn good, yeah. Actually, did you ever see the pamphlets that were put out by the promoters? For? For this particular conference at Washington, D.C.? I haven't. King was not the featured speaker. That's. Could you imagine going after that speech? Nope. I handed out. Having to follow that? I printed out the pamphlets for my students, handed them out, and so you can see on there that King was just really almost an afterthought. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Nuts. They're on the internet. You could, if you pull out the pamphlets, you can hand them out. Right, and yeah. see Do you remember anyone else who spoke that day? Uh, nope, nope. No, I don't think so. No, in fact, we. Um, I couldn't make it that day. I had a <laughs> previous <laughs> engagement. I had, I had a hair, you had a hair appointment. You weren't yeah. born. Was yeah. that the day uh, Backdoor Babes Four came out? No, no, one. That's next that September. One. That was yeah, one. That was, yeah. one. That, that was the original. Next September next is four. September. Yeah, it's in production now. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Richard's and face on that, is Richard, it's your turn. Yeah, next up. And Richard. don't say September of next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, my. Uh, I think Mick could probably get this one. Uh, mine would be April twelfth, eighteen sixty one. Eighteen sixty one was the Civil War. So would that Gettysburg? be Gettysburg? Uh, uh, the secession of South Carolina from the Union? No. Fort Sumter. Yes. Nice Nick. Job. Oh, Mike Putnam. Nice job. 
First shots fired. The first shots fired. Here's what that did. Two things. Number one, it showed the South as the aggressors. Because that the was key. Lincoln had to have them fire. First. That's right. That's correct. That's number one. Number two, it kept Europe out of the war. Right. If the North had fired the first shot, Europe would have said, great. We're Absolutely. In. We're King back, baby. The South are the underdogs, and we're going to intercede on behalf of the South. Would have been totally different war if that had happened. Right. Totally different war. Right. So uh, I think that is cataclysmic as far as where the country was headed because the country was literally divided. Yep. We're out. South Carolina. We're out. Unions dissolved. We're out. That's it. You, you elected, you know, you elected a, a, a northern president from Illinois. We know where this is headed. The hellhole of secession. That's right. We're out. So if the South had not fired the first shot, I think that would have been a totally different war because, one, they would not have been the underdog. Right, because the South was the underdog up until then, but the underdogs don't fire the first shots. They're not the initial aggressors. No. And then it goes from. And then it kept Europe Are out of you the war. saving the Union to are you forcing right. the Union? Right. That that's a completely different idea. So it it could have been a completely different. It could have outcome yeah. in the American Civil War. Nice. I'm nice just happy job, I had something the same as Richard. Nice. Kind of feel smart right now. Yeah. <laughs> not gonna lie. Is that what we got on that? My turn? That's it. Yep. You. All right. My number four uh, took course over two years, and I looked everywhere, and I couldn't find hard dates, but it was 1801 to 1803. Well, Thomas Jefferson was president. Louisiana Purchase? Louisiana Purchase? It is the Louisiana Purchase. From yeah. Napoleon. Tell us. Bonaparte. Let me, let me tell you what I believe. What, what was it? Ten or... $10 million. I think it was $15, 15 million. million. I think it was $15, 15 million, dollars million. When Congress authorized him for half that. It's so funny because we were just talking about this the other day. Right. What's Alaska worth right now? <laughs> yeah. So so we bought Alaska uh, from Russia for $14,999,999. That's why I bring this up is the value difference. And uh, I, I believe the estimated worth of Alaska and all of its – Oil and minerals, as much as the so Dallas Cowboys, so, uh, it, it's worth somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen trillion dollars. Nice. So this is this is why I picked the Louisiana Purchase. Not not to mention the fact that it's basically the largest land deal it's, that's it's ever happened in the history. Look, ever. Honestly, it's a gargantuan pick. Right? We paid fifteen million dollars for five hundred and thirty million acres, which is less than three cents an acre. That's right. Three cents an acre. This was. It bankrupted James Monroe. He was had had been a politician at the time, and his plan was to go back into his work as a lawyer to beef up his savings again because politicians didn't make a lot of money back then, as pretty much as it should be as far as I'm concerned, but that's another discussion for another day. And he immediately had to go from being in office to going to France to start this negotiation. He had to sell his items in his home so that he could afford to get to France, right? So it, it bankrupted him. He later in life had to sell his estate and move in with his kids. This is the biggest reason that I put this at number four. President Jefferson overstepped his boundaries when he agreed to buy this piece of property. He would say as much. And he, and he, and he agreed it, and he knew it. He knew it, and he had to, air quotes, coerce the Senate to approve the sale, which became one of the biggest underlying contributors to the Civil War, 
about the government overreaching its bounds and oh, no no the o- the government overreaching their bounds and and having too much influence over the state which a lot of people say it was about slavery yes that was a big deal but there was an underlying current there from most of the people that weren't slave owners that said you don't have the right to tell us what we can and we can't do to our own state and that was a large part of the secession so the fact that we doubled tripled it, it's still over what did they say it was it was one third of the total country right now that in that one purchase they literally doubled the size doubled of the, the size country at that time and yeah. it and it ended up creating 15 or 16 states i yeah, think and like right. parts of like nine others or something wow. nuts for 3 cents an acre I would love to go to downtown Dallas and buy some property for three cents an acre. (laughs) And I think it helps Spurns this idea of manifest destiny, right? Which will eventually come into the lexicon. This idea that we will rule from sea to shining sea. And and without that, it's not possible. And quite frankly, having the French on our doorstep was not something that we wanted. So, So I think... President Jefferson yeah. saw a chance to move another European power uh, out from being our neighbor. And Actually, even though he may have done something he didn't necessarily agree sh- with, yeah. he he knew it was something that had to be. Actually, we had two powers. We had the French and the British in that area. There were all the fur trappers and That's stuff right. like that. And the biggest reason that he started looking into this was because we had lost our rights to use the Port of New Orleans. Yeah, and we right. needed that's the port true. of New Orleans to go up and down the Mississippi had River. Had to have it. That's and true. we had to have it. So when he, he thought he, he thought we were going to have to go to war with Napoleon to get it. And when they went and talked to Napoleon, he was like, yeah, I just sent a bunch of my guys down to the Dominican, and they went to some resort, and they all died. Um, that's actually pretty true. They went down there to – they had a, a colony down there, and all his soldiers caught yellow fever. So he didn't have any money to get new soldiers and equipment down there, and he was fighting the English on the other side. And he was like, how about if I just sell you some stuff? It just, I mean, just the way the cogs fall into place and everything works out when you look back is just crazy. But the Port of New Orleans was – but that, that, that influenced a four-year war and, 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 and provided all that land. So yeah. that's why I was there. Makes sense. Well, since two of my lists are already gone, one being – the Declaration of Independence, obviously, and then I had, I had Fort Sumter. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. That's how I had, knew the Well, date. tell us why you picked it. But you, we just did. I mean, it's, it was massive. I mean, that basically just cover. I, I, the more I've read about that, like it's that one shot spurned. I mean, the to this day, I think it's the heaviest death war with, with the most casualties out of any war. Well, because anybody that died Mo- was an American. Yeah, most six hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Yeah, yeah, most, it's, yeah, most American that, casualties. So that was big. So instead of rehashing why, I'll use the other half of my first one that I said but never got into, and that was Iwo Jima. Oh, the other half of my first one. Okay. Yeah, Fair because enough. I D-Day and Iwo Jima. I just I, I, I would have felt filthy if I had one and not well, the that's other. That's <laughs> the challenge of the list. It's filthy. It is really? right. Wow. It is you're so tempted to bunch these things together because they really do connect with yeah and i am known for having a tie <laughs> or an extra but so i did it that's again true. well i have a tie in my necks too so yeah there but you because go. but they're very closely related so the that's why and i felt iwo jima too because of this strategical location of where those islands are in the airfield the use and why it was so important that we had that and not only that what the marines had to fight against the the way that 
Japan was entrenched in it was at some every documentary I I watch on it it's fascinating to me and whether it's the first time I've seen it or the tenth on what kind of fighting they had to deal with in the between the 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 way the Japanese would I mean tunnel and just the kind of warfare that we just aren't used to fighting against what they did True. similar to like you can say in Vietnam it, Vietnam. it, was, yeah. it was very similar yeah. I, th- I think tactic wise of what they did yeah, yeah I, I think another thing when you're talking about Japan is y- you need to try and understand their love their unyielding undying love not only for the country itself but especially for their emperor, emperor. I knew you were going there yep which and I Hirohito will not yield the under any circumstance. The Japanese were so brutal to fight against because they were okay with dying. They we, we, wanted, we wanted to win the battle, but we didn't want to die. They were like, if I die, then I'm special. It was almost, it was almost a jihadist it thought al- process. Almost a Spartan, Spartan. idea, right? Yeah. It was I went very to Spartans, too. Right? Yeah, and, that, and I felt that... Yeah, but they lose all the time. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Sorry, I had to say it. <laughs> no, I, I, I applaud you for throwing in a Michigan State <laughs> reference. Well, well done, sir. The fact that you have an army that is so hard-ass focused on either winning or dying in the process because they would rather die than lose and bring shame to their country and, like you said, their emperor. And both outcomes are okay with that. To yep. me, it. I mean, you almost got to really have a heavy respect for that determination in that. I mean, mm-hmm. granted... They weren't on our side, so of course I'm glad things worked out the way it did. But mm. to like like the movie 300 or the Spartans or anytime you talk about the fierceness that it's the ultimate warrior. A war, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and that's every sense of the word warrior. But that's what our warriors had to fight against, and it was brutal in the losses that they sustained there. But they were willing to finally overtake it in the position of that, the airfields that were necessary for us in, in World War II. It's it to me it was so important as well. That's why I had to tie that together with D Day because of the stakes that were on those on that property. I guess you could say. Well, you know when Iwo, when Iwo Jima started out, we had our full navy there, and the plan was they were supposed to bombard Iwo Jima for seven days with the destroyers and the cruisers. Right. Seven days they were just supposed to launch bombs. Twenty four hours a day. That was the plan. All of the naval officers, admirals knew that when we took Iwo Jima, that was basically the end of the war. It was not about. When it was gonna, when it was gonna, or if it was gonna happen, it was just when, because that that put Japan out of contention for being able to go anywhere else, and we now had superior naval and superior air power because we could bring any plane we wanted and reach mainland Japan. After one day of bombing, all the admirals decided they wanted to be in Washington when the news that we took Iwo Jima was 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 spread out, so they all left. We l- they didn't shell for six of the seven days they were supposed to. That's why we lost so many Marines. Crazy. That's why our upper echelon of our government pisses me off so th- so much sometimes. Wow. The amount of lives that were lost just because they wanted they wanted to be there. Got to have the photo op. Absolutely. Right? 100%. So that's, that's what it was. Ridiculous. It's a pretty crazy level of arrogance. It is, right? Which th- I would like to think that would never happen again th- in, in today's military. Well, I've been in today's military, and it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, on on right. something that massive in a world war. It, it, yeah. uh, that, that's you never, let's pray to, to God me. that never happens. You never yeah. hear about that major storming the machine gun encampment. It's always a Lance Corporal or a private. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Number three, Nick. All right. So my number three on the list, uh, July 20th, 
1969. Landing on the moon. Yeah, that's that's definitely what that is. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons. Uh, landing on the moon signified that we are starting to pull ahead in the space race. And I, I think what one thing that is so difficult, especially for, for someone my age, to understand is the real genuine fear that people had of the Soviet Union mm. in this country. Yeah, you got you have to talk about that. Right. Yeah. And you you myself, I, I've always grown up in a country where the United States was was very, very powerful, very influential, and I, I've for the most part felt extremely safe in this country. That was not the case then. Um, they were scared. Duck, they, and co- duck and cover. They were scared, right? And this starts with a proclamation from JFK, Kennedy. right? Yes. We will reach the moon by the end of the decade. And That's exactly what he said. Damn it, if we didn't do it. You know, we, we got there, we planted our flag, and, and we stepped out amongst the stars. You know, it, this is one of those events. It, it's not... Certain parts of the world, people want to claim that it's their history. But sometimes history is so significant, it's everyone's history. Stepping on the moon isn't just American history. That's human history. That's a major, major deal for for all of us. It was in the quote. He said it. Right. One step for one, lo- one small step for man, one large, one yeah. giant step for mankind. I he think did. it's still to this day the most watched uh, event on television, isn't it? I don't is know it? how it can't be. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is. I'm I mean pretty sure it is. Live event? It's, mo- it's the most watched event on television. Would I, you I, I miss almost it? <laughs> almost, almost. I saw it. Right. I would bet um, I my was paycheck. four years old, but I did see I would that. bet That's my incredible. paycheck on that, which is about $3.60 this week. So <laughs> Well done. Yeah, I yeah. crushed it. I tore it up wow, this week. That's, um, that's not good. That's they, and, and, all, and, and it's also something that in the history of civilization, only 12 men have done. Right. Only 12 men have stepped foot on the moon. And I think there's... I read it this morning, and I forget. There's there's like seven flags on the moon. I think four of them are American flags. One of them is India. One of them is European nations, and one of them is so is Russia. There's actually a Russian flag up there now because it was like in a tribute to like no longer communist. I can't remember why they said it, but it was nice enough nice of us to put it there for him. Yeah, it was. It was nice of us to put them there for him. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> just stepping out amongst the stars and, and becoming something different. I wanted that on my list, uh, but I knew it was going to show up on somebody else's list. So I said, no, I can't do that one. But that was, you're right, that is uh, unbelievable. Monumental. Could you, could you, as a man, could you hop in a rocket back in 1968 and go, let's do this? You know, I I think that's a key thread through everything on our list is that these extraordinary moments require extraordinary courage. Extraordinary men and women willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And I think that's why you can always ask that question. Y- you know, would you get that? I don't care how safe they tell you it is. You are still strapping yourself th- to what, in essence, can become a bomb yeah. if anything goes wrong. Well, they can't. And has. They can't can and can has. tell you yes. too much how, how safe it is because it was Apollo 8. Which one caught on fire on the launch pad? Apollo 7? 
it I, was I can't it was almost it right was before yeah they went up yeah right. it was it was one of the apollos and um apollo 13 was the one that lost the landing it was actually apollo 11 that landed yeah, that's a fantastic movie by the yeah, way yeah it is it is well you know it's it's incredible to see someone that's able to land on the or, or almost land on the moon and save a soldier in in world war 2 it's incredible i mean that guy did a lot of stuff in his life shit's versatile <laughs> he's awesome uh, another Talking about <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, right? No, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about Tom Hanks. Tom All Hanks. the stuff he's done in his oh, life, okay. and, and he got to be a kid. About those um, lunar nice. landers and in, in the capsules and stuff that they did. Our smartphones have more technology. That's true. Than those capsules that those astronauts went up in, and that blows my mind to think about. You're going to essentially another planet. Um, you know, it's a moon, but you're you're going to another place in space with with less technology. Than well, our, than our smartphones. You know, it's funny you said that because there's a scene in Apollo 11 with Gary Sinise. Remember, he's he's yep. back home. He's back at NASA, and they said, "Well, what do they got on board?" They said, oh, "I don't know. They got a spatula and some duct tape." Okay, that's fine. I'll work with that. Yeah. You know, I I'll <laughs> blow your mind even incredible. more. Incredible. Yeah. They they astronauts, man. They, they they'll use they'll use it. They'll the find issue something. that they had when they knew when they were going to have to land on the moon and then and take off again, weight was the biggest factor they were worried about. Think about this. Not that your smartphone has more technology than that did. The fact that the skin of that lunar lander was aluminum foil. It yeah. was aluminum foil. The heat shield. Absolutely. Well, the lunar lander never brought came back in. There was no need for the heat right. shield. Yeah. But on the lander, when they would detach it and go down, they basically just they just docked and they just jettisoned that bitch. It's crazy. Aluminum foil. I, when I learned that, I'm like, come on, there's no way. Right. Leading up to that, and we always talk about historical movies and stuff, and a movie that almost – Nobody ever talks about that as a kid I watched over and over and over was the right stuff. Oh, God, oh, I bet you I've seen that movie a hundred times. It's a long movie. It used to be on HBO constantly. It's so good. But I would watch that movie because, uh, you know, they had Chuck Yeager in there trying to break in, you know, with the Smithsonian that, that they have that little jet hanging up there. But the what those guys, speaking of extraordinary men, those guys that were going up, the first one just to go in space, this was obviously well before the moon, but what they did and the steps that were taken to get to the moon the, the right stuff is uh, just a phenomenal and story when you're doing things that are unprecedented th there's no rules yeah that's right there, th i mean it it might work and that's the best we can give you yeah and and it might not that's right. work that's so why i used to call them <laughs> test <'Cause> pilots <laughs> right <laughs> exactly yeah. cuz like think about it you're going into an environment you can't train for it you can't duplicate yeah, it because we've never been there. Can't simulate. We've never you been can't there. Survive, right? And it, it's just wow. yeah, that, that. <laughs> yeah, which exactly. we learned from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I thought you were going to say in Total Recall. Oh, you, you just can't survive out in that environment. That's right. Yeah. Words of wisdom. Good one. From Words of wisdom Arnold from, from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. I thought you were going to talk about Harry Stamper and Armageddon, personally, but that's all right. So you stole my idea. Uh huh. You did a piss poor <laughs> job of building it. <laughs> Learn how to tell a story. That's right. right. You gotta, you gotta learn how to tell a story. So good. It is good. All right, Richard. Oh, um, well, I think w in a way we've all talked about uh, these already, so I'm not gonna belabor it too much. But um, I had I had D-Day as June yep. June fourth, nineteen forty-four. I think we've all talked about it enough. So uh, I can't argue that. Next, this one, uh, my it's it's a tie. Again, uh, but it's two things that did the same thing. Uh, one of them is July 2nd, 1964, 
And the second one is August 26, 1920. Hold on a second. Jeez, What's the first one? July 2nd, 1964. Cue the Jeopardy music. Hold on, wait a minute. Johnson was president. For was Coolidge for president? For, for which one? In 20? I'm counting. No, LBJ. LBJ. You said 1964, right? Yeah. yeah no, July 2nd, 1920. The other one's 1920. No, I'll, I'll let me, I'm trying to guess this one first. <laughs> so I know LBJ was president. You said July 2nd. I got Stom- nothing. I'm stomped. I got. Okay, July 2nd, 1964 was the signing of the Civil Act, Civil Rights Act. Civil Rights. Ah. Uh. And August 26, 1920 was the 19th Amendment, which yeah, was women's right which to was vote. women's suffrage. And even though they're two separate events, they're really the same thing, saying that all men are created equal, more or less. Right. Yep. This idea, you know, where we start with we the people, and it initially is wasps, right? Yeah. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Yep. And then not only just white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, but you have to be a man and you have to own land. Uh, so, uh, really, w- we start with three very inclusive words that are not inclusive. At all, yeah. Uh, and, and we are constantly working our way towards fulfilling that creed. And, and I think that's the underlying story of America, right? I don't think anyone would sit here and say we're a perfect country. We no. We acknowledge our flaws, and God willing, we work towards betterment. Right. That's, know, and that's and why I picked to those the two. framers' brilliance, particularly James Madison, that they they built in a mechanism in the Constitution to amend it for growth. Correct for growth. Right? Yeah. It, when you think about an architect, right, building a building, it, it's that's a great analogy. It's yeah. static. It's there. It's done. Yep. Uh, this uh, they somehow created something that was living and breathing and organic and beautiful with a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean, maybe the greatest invention ever, right, doing something like that. I think so. To expand on that, and I think that's something that totally, if you look at the messed up way that our society is these days, and you look at, like you said, you know, by no means is the United States perfect or as it has it ever been. Um. You look at all of the stuff that's happened in our history, good or bad, I think it's just as important to hold on to the bad as it is the good to make sure that never happens again. And that uh, it's been a philosophy that I think that gets totally lost because people are so butthurt over stuff now. Oh, no, we, we got to erase that. We got to take down that monument because it reminds me of something bad. No, it, the reason that we are who we are is because of the growth and the change that we all no, it's not perfect. It, everything there's a lot of messed up things in the world right now. Yeah. Let me ask you guys: When you were younger, did your parents uh, only give you good lessons? Did Hell you no. Oh right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some some my of them were some hard lessons. My right? dad was the best Indiana Jones with his belt. In, in was wow. were with the belt, and oh. I deserved I deserved every one of them from my dad. I, I deserved none of them. I don't know if you can say that, but my dad. He, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. It right? is one thing I, I will speak to when it comes to uh, being in a private school setting is the wider range of material that you can touch on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I one of my good friends is a public school social studies teacher, and uh, they, they had me look over their textbook. And one of the things to me 
that was the most shameful aspects of this book and it, there were there were a few things that stood out but this more than anything uh really really stuck with me the section on native americans is two and a half pages two and a half pages two and a half pages wow of some of the most peaceful wonderful great people that literally got fucked the hardest of anybody in the history of the world they really did and they act like it never happened that is that is unexcusable that's exactly what i'm talking about those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it there you go it's heartbreaking and that's the reason that i say that because i think everything that is just horrible horribly wrong that has happened and not i mean obviously not just our history but world history should be taught just as much as the great things that have happened. If not more. To make sure, <laughs> for that exact reason, that we make sure that people are educated enough that this shit doesn't happen, and if it starts to, people don't let it happen. Here's, here's my analogy. My analogy is, oh, were you done? Yeah, yeah. Here's my analogy with it. When you're trying to teach somebody how to build something, right, or make something, or do something, do you make them do it again when they've got it right? No, you make them do it again when they get it wrong, mm-hmm. right? Right. So we don't really need to talk and talk and up. talk and talk and talk about how the civil rights action was right. We need to talk about how Hitler, why it was necessary. Hit, yeah, Hitler <laughs> was wrong or why it was necessary. Yeah, you're right. It's it and it is it's painful. It's painful to watch and and I kind of do weep for the future. That's well, uh, go, okay. ahead. go ahead. Well, I just want to touch on what is the the Jewish motto for the Holocaust? Two words. Never forget. Never forget. Okay. That's it. Exactly right. The museum, if anybody's ever been there. (laughs) Jesus Christ, there it is. Uh, It does. I'm kidding. (laughs) Right. You know, I've taken several groups of students down to the Holocaust Museum. Uh, And if if you've never been there, it it is certainly worth a trip. The one in Washington? That's what I was going to talk about. I've been to the one in Washington. Uh, Literally one of the most sobering things I've ever seen in my life. That was heartbreaking to walk through. Prepare prepare uh, yourself. Nick, remember uh, when you're you and I both went together, right? And he and I are standing, you know, in the middle of one of the one of the exhibits. And I looked at you and I said, "Nick, you and I are history teachers, but can you? Be- did this really happen? Because it's right. so atrocious, right? You know, it's ungodly, man. It's, it's horrifying. It's, it's from another galaxy. That's how viciously disgusting it was, right? And I, and I turned to Nick and I said, "Nick, did this really happen? I mean, it's unconscionable to think this really happened, right? And our government." Our government at the time sat and watched it happen and said, eh, we're not going to get involved. They did. That would have been difficult They for did. Us. We were not exactly involved in the war yet. I don't think we knew about the concentration camps, though. Because when we stumbled onto them. <laughs> okay, well, okay, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Uh, I would hope. But what I was going to say is the two things that stood out for me. We, at the, we at the knew. Uh, at the at the something. Berlin Olympics, that something was very wrong in that country. Yeah, you said you've been to the DC. Museum, I've been right? to the DC one. I've been to the one in St. Pete, and and they talk all the time about creating upstanders, not bystanders, and it, it's a lesson that young kids need to learn. Uh, they're they're not only so sedentary in their lives, they're sedentary in their minds. 
And if it doesn't affect them directly, they don't care. They don't give a yeah. damn. So and and most of what I need to fix, I can fix with a tweet. Right. Yeah. What, it, what I was going to say, though, going to that museum, which we did the summer before Dylan left for basic training, because obviously we wanted to take a trip to D.C. for obvious reasons. We went to that museum, and it just gave me chills thinking about it, walking through that rail car that was an actual rail car that took them to the camps. And then there's another room where you walk in, and it is a thousands and thousands of just shoes. Shoes. The shoes. Yeah. Just the shoes. Time. It's... Yep. The little kid, the little children's. It shoes. is an absolute gut punch, and it was something that I mean that feeling I'll never forget the rest of my life. It just makes you examine yourself. Just too. being in because that th- I think that's the scariest thing about Adolf Hitler. He was not the boogeyman. He was a man. He was a brilliant man. Don't don't forget to say that he was he was yeah. a brilliant man. He was he was a man. And think about the devastation that man can cause. Right. I mean, it, it's an incredible topic. That that's one of those things. So that that could be a topic for a show all on its that's own. That's true. Without you could talk about that for hours. Yep. But yeah, I, I agree. That that's a good one. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, that was a hell of a wow. I I'm I'm I got chills. Okay. So you're number three. Um. Well, <laughs> you're number three. We're only on number three. three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's. Not it's down to my number two because I had the the two that are off, but in everyone's gonna know this right off the bat. November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Kennedy. Yep, yep, yep. That's Kennedy. Leaving his brains in Dallas. <laughs> Is that parade sponsored by Excedrin? Oh shit! I'm just asking. I don't know. Maybe Clorox. Open air limo. Maybe Clorox well, prewash. Why? There was, there's just why you talk about a topic that could be for a whole show. It's it's definitely but the oh I would love that. Open the reason un- yeah the reason that I picked that is not just because it's one of the biggest most memorable horrific events in the country, but the aftermath of w- the w- basically United States changing after that happened. What what I looked at is what would have not happened if he did not get assassinated. How different would the United States look today if JFK does not get assassinated? We might have pulled out of Vietnam. And we most likely would have pulled out of Vietnam. Depending I, on I, I which like historian you talk to or looking at, it looked like Kennedy wanted no part of it. And he wanted that out, and he was getting ready to do that. And I know we've talked about that before, but peace ain't profitable. P- uh, and and, wow. and yep. the fact that... Um, that's right, man. Uh, yep. uh, and th- and that's LBJ? LBJ took over for him, right? Yes. Uh, LBJ's in-laws were big wigs with the helicopter. Yeah, there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Is that what happened? Who knows? We, we could so go down into and that. And we will. We will. That's typically be where there's smoke. Typically, yeah. yeah where there's, there's <laughs> smoke, there's some weed burning. So <laughs> that's that's kind of yeah. how that rolls. Y- you're right. The landscape changes dramatically. Th- dramatically. Yeah, and just to... You know, expand on what Nick said, and it seems like any time that there's a huge figure that is for peace or anything, goodwill or anything like that, it doesn't end Look well. Look at his brother Bobby, and it, it, to follow it up, and it, you know, it's and to me that's aside from the conspiracy stuff, which is to me is another fascinating thing that we'll never ever know the truth about, is what would have happened or not happened if he was able to f- fulfill his term and stay president. You know, right? And he would he would have he would have been reelected. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
you know, you had Bobby Kennedy with Untimely Death. You had JFK with Untimely Death. Then you had Jamie Kennedy, his movie career, the way it died, which what is painful. <laughs> He was nice. Malibu's most wanted. How long did you think about that one, man? <laughs> Just a couple <laughs> seconds. He's been holding on that all week. Good pull. Good I'm pull. like, let me find something about John Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was mine. Back to you, Nick. All right. So going back to our roots, uh, this one has a date range. December 19th, 1777 to June 19th, 1778. What was the first date again? December 19th, 1777. Oh. Is uh, December. Oh, that was. Um, that's um, the winter that they spent in Valley Forge. Fantastic. <laughs> I, yeah. was, I was almost there. Man. So uh, this this is an incredible story. Valley yes, Forge is. on its own. But but what led to Valley Forge actually happens in September of 1777. Uh, what is the most important piece on a chessboard? The king. The king. The king, right? What is the most important city to any state? The, the capital. capital. The capital. In September of 1777, the British take what is then the U.S. capital, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Right. Yep. And Washington is not able to take it back. And most people at that time, even the most ardent patriots, are not very confident in the cause. Uh, Washington makes his winter camp at Valley Forge. Of course, that is one of the coldest winters uh, that our country has ever seen. Oh, nearly 2,000 soldiers die, uh, be it from dysentery or freezing to death or lack of food or what have you. Our efforts are on a razor's edge. And Washington finds a way to get through the winter. Uh, if Washington fails there, the war is over. Yeah. It, it's done. We that's that's it. That's the shortest story ever told. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, nothing, and likely more than a peasant uprising. Right. And likely not told. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, one time, yeah, Buried. these guys decided that they were going to do this thing and that that's OK. Yeah. Next. Right. We become a, a question on a test. It's tea time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, hey, get the crumpets out. Time to celebrate. British. I mean, you <laughs> think if you're the British <laughs> and you're heading into the winter camp and you have the capital, it's done. This is over. Washington finds a way to survive, uh, and so and so does our cause, right? I, I, and and he had to be on my list somewhere. So for sure, I mean that's that just shows you the fucking balls that those guys had to do. Father of our country. Yep. Did they to like you like we said earlier, risked everything, and they weren't about to say, "Well, it's cold. I guess we should give up." Right, and, and that's the thing. You know, you, you talked earlier about generals heading back to D.C. for a photo op. Washington never left his men. No. Nor would he ever dream of leaving his men. He, uh, he was I with them the whole time and endured every hardship. And I've dealt with some, some senior leadership that was that way, and I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more inspiring than someone being a leader as opposed to someone being a boss. Uh, you, you'd follow him anywhere. Absolutely. Do anything for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Right. That's a good one, Nick. I like that. I, that would never even cross my mind, but that's a damn good one. Like it. Your turn, my Richard. Turn? Yeah. Uh, actually, we. 
you know, we've, we've talked about this one already, but, you know, July 4th, 1776, obviously. Um, I'm, and Nick paraphrased it before, but I'm just going to read, because I just posted this, the last line of the Declaration of Independence, and Nick just paraphrased this. The last line is, and for the support of this declaration with the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. And then all of them signed their death warrant. Yeah, if they'd have been caught, if they'd have been lost, bit, yeah. yep. Ne never thought of it that way. They're they tarred, all signed, they all signed feathered, their death treason, entrails cut out, yep. burned. Yep. It, it, the worst. There's, type. That min, there's that mental picture I've been waiting on. <laughs> yeah. And the like worst said, type of deaths you can imagine. Oh, for sure. And it's like not you said, gonna Nick, we turn into a blip in history. Now, what would have been it gets worse? Buried and it's never even mentioned again. Right. If we'd have lost, okay, and those guys were convicted and tried as treason, as for treason, as traitors, what would have been worse? To have your entrails ripped out or to have to go back and actually live in England? Well, it's not Ohio, <laughs> so I'm going to take England. <laughs> I'm going to say it's not Ohio. <laughs> I do like fish Thank and you, chips. Mike. Thank you, Mike. I was too. waiting for. Speaking yeah. of, I wanted one of those. I have to say this because I had just thought of it. Uh -oh. I'm, I'm watching the Patriot the other night, right? Okay. The I can't remember the actor's name, but he was the he was the one that killed Mel Gibson's son. Okay. Later in the movie, he's getting just yelled, just lectured by Cornwallis about using his methods, and then he he gets to the point where he really wants Mel Gibson dead. He says, "Well, I can catch him, but I I got to use methods that." aren't approved he says well if i do this i can't go back to england i i won't be respected i just i can't go back there so w what's there left here he says land and of course the biggest asshole in that movie wants land in ohio that's my history the buckeye fan he knew he knew for sure it was fitting <laughs> all right i have a i have a tie at number two again and again there were different times but it's because they basically the change that they brought about one of them was, uh, and if I, you'll get one of them for sure. Uh, October twenty fourth, nineteen twenty nine. That's the stock, stock market. market crash. That's the stock market crash. The other, the other one is March twenty fifth, nineteen eleven. Nineteen eleven is nineteen eleven. This is one that's not known very much in history, but it was the catalyst for something. Is uh, that Pancho Villa by chance? No, no. Well, it's before World War One. Mm -hmm. Is it the Battle of Shroot Farms? <laughs> That was that's my number one. He <laughs> caught me. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep cut. I don't think you'll get this because it's not something that we talk about or is even taught. It's just something that if you dig, you find out about it. It was the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. Uh, is that the Great Chicago Fire? No, no. This is this is basically what happened. Was I this know was about the fire, but I can't wait. Yeah, I, I know oh, about okay. it because the sprinkler system, for instance, which didn't exist. Right, but. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, the I'm stock market crash I brought put on there because of the changes that were brought about, let's call it finance reform. The the government put stops in place to prevent people from doing what they were FDIC, doing. FDIC, all yeah, that yes, stuff all that, starts all, coming into play. All that stuff came into the play. The birth of Social Security. Yep, to make to and make new well, and the New Deal, welfare, unemployment, all that stuff. The, the stock CBA, market crash, all of that stuff. So many different along. things that it brought in. That's why I brought that. But this is what the shirtwaist factory fire was. There was a, a, a and I should have I should have looked up the location, but maybe that's bonus material. There was a factory that there was a hundred and fifty women and young girls working in that made T-shirts, and they were threatening to unionize. And the owners told them, "You're not going to unionize, and you're going to go to work." And they locked them in the factory, and the factory caught on fire. And these mm -hmm. women were literally jumping to their deaths. This brought around about the 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 work the work safety issues and. Uh, OSHA, for lack of a better word, 
this it, it made it made it to where unions aren't necessary anymore because those laws are covered by the government. You can't work me like that. You can't treat me like that. And it and it made it made possible our industrial revolution because now people were willing to go to work because they knew they weren't going to get screwed working 40 hours a week for 3 bucks. And right. to me, I know it's different things, but it really brings about both of those bring about why we are a financial power in this world. It really makes me think of a book titled The Jungle. It's oh, about Arthur Sinclair. Yeah, it's about the meat packaging industry in the early 1900s and and a similar idea to that Greg just how unregulated. Hey, it may not have been in the west, but it was the wild yes, west. Yes, it was. I yeah. mean, there were no rules here. They had they had they said they had safety nets around this building so that if you were on the upper floor and it caught on fire you could jump, and the first person jumped and hit the net and the net was so old and rotted they just went right through it and people just kept jumping because they didn't have no else to do. Unbelievable. This was it was it was a tragic day and of course we all know what happened with the stock market. Right. right. You know we had people jumping for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different reasons. If you yeah. weren't the first one at the bank, uh, for yeah, you for got real. problems. Yeah. yeah. So we don't really need to go into those because we do know about what happened, and I, there's really not much more you can go into it. But the wave of reform all over the country that those two those two brought to me really made a, a huge that's difference a in the country. That's a, that's a cool one. That's crazy. Thank you. Yeah. Nice job, sir. Thanks, buddy. I want to go last, so Nick, you go. Okay. So, uh, oh, you because because you only have you, you only have one left. Okay. Right. My pick for number one, uh, March fourth, eighteen sixty one through April 14th, 1865. That's the Civil War. Uh, it, Civil War, and specifically the presidency of Abraham Lincoln. Nice. Right, because uh, at that time you were inaugurated in March. Right. So Lincoln, for a number of reasons... How do we even know these motherfuckers? <laughs> All this stuff, they're popping out. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't <laughs> you keep smart company, you look smart. There you go. Right. Uh, Lincoln, for a number of reasons... Yeah, one story about Lincoln that always comes to mind is one day he's he's sitting in his office and uh, his secretary of state, Seward, is sitting there and he's smoking a cigar and they're just kind of hanging out. And Lincoln looks to him and says, bring me a quill and paper. Uh, Mr. President, uh, what, what would you need that for? I'm going to write something and Mary Todd's he commit, sits commit down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he writes the Emancipation Proclamation. And I, I think Lincoln, for a number of reasons, I could talk about Lincoln for hours. Uh, it was a good movie. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, where I think Lincoln I is such a genius is he understands himself, but he also understands his enemy. And he's not afraid to use the enemy's logic when it suits him. And in the Emancipation Proclamation, he acknowledges that the South claims slaves as their property. And during times of war, the president has the right to seize property. So he seizes the slaves and sets them free. You cannot talk about that enough, and that, that's just one. That's one small piece. You have the Emancipation Proclamation, you have the Thirteenth Amendment, uh, you have the Civil War itself, saving the Union. But I, I think the the reason I throw in April Fourteenth 
is because that's the day Lincoln is shot. Mm. And the reason I think Lincoln's death is so very significant, you know, he, he expands telegraphs. He, he massively expands railroads, right? He's modernizing the United States, and he's trying to reach this web from New York City to California. When Lincoln dies, you got to understand this. Lincoln is bookended by arguably two of the worst presidents in U.S. history. True. 15, James Buchanan, and 17, Andrew Johnson. James Buchanan just doesn't give a damn and lets the states leave. Andrew Johnson is impeached for just blatant inability to do his job. When Lincoln is shot, you know, the war is difficult, but oftentimes peace is much more difficult. We, we now enter this state of reconstruction, and our great architect He's isn't gone. around. He's you know, there's, there's a great, uh, w- you know, what, what did he say, right? What did the physician say? And, you know, as he's checking Lincoln's pulse, and, you, you know, he gives the time, and he says, you know, President Lincoln is no more. And they don't know what he said next. If he said, now he belongs to the ages, or did he say, now he belongs to the angels? You wonder sometimes if if there's not individuals that are so perfectly suited for their time, and when their task is accomplished, it's time to go home. Right. And, and and he is he is to me for for a number of reasons, an inspiration uh, and, and to me is is my my greatest American hero. He's one of my heroes is is Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he's I, I love him. I, love I, him. I thought he was up there as far as being a good man, but he became one of my heroes when he killed all those vampires. Do really swing an axe. It really helped. You know, uh, uh, Greg, this is a real story. It's a hell of a book. This is a real story. Okay, so yeah, no, no bullshit here. We're sitting in class one day. Oh shit! What did I do? And uh, <laughs> sparked a good you story. Know, we're we're going over the Civil War and we're talking about President Lincoln and you know sometimes you know kids are just uh, you know being kids. Uh, but this was not one of those times. Unfortunately, this was a a very serious question. Hand goes up. Please don't tell me that he's going to ask. Just wait. When does he kill the vampires? <laughs> I and, and you know, if, if it's a joke, you want to laugh. That's hilarious, right? Like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's a good moment in class. Break it up. Some good levity. We can all have a laugh. Uh, he was serious. Not a joke. Not a joke. Dear Lord in heaven. I it, think it I was remember... Serious. I was talking about that in the hallway afterwards. Uh, probably did because the. I, How in fact, could you in, not? <laughs> no, in fact, I do remember it, and you had the utter most look of disappointment on your face. I couldn't believe it. Like I could, I just it's that's not possible, right? Like, right. You don't really believe that. Yeah. Nah. This just happened. Oh yeah, it was shit. um, on le- you know there was, I think I don't think he had you that year, but the year that they had in the school that everyone had to do the projects, the big projects. Oh, yeah. But anyway, Dylan did his on Lincoln. Right. And I remember helping him with that, 
and I think I was having more fun doing this just because of the learning all the stuff. But what we did in the off to the side of it was all the crazy facts that just people just don't know that's never talked about. Fantastic wrestler. He's in the Wrestling undefeated. Hall of Fame. He was, he was undefeated. He's in the wrestler. Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah. Dude was a brawler. Absolutely. He would beat up bullies behind the shed. Like, literally. And yes. I'm reading all this. This is amazing. Well, he was built differently than the normal American back then. He was over six foot tall. And wasn't he six yeah. foot four? Yeah, six foot four. And most most men were like five seven, five right. eight at that time. So he had that wingspan. He had that uh, that that reach. He could throw knocks. He could. Another Lincoln story that I love, and, and I think just uh, again the brilliance in the man. He doesn't care where the idea comes from. If it's a good idea, it's a good idea. So during one of uh, the Lincoln Douglas debates. After the debate, he's, you know, kind of palling around, you know, pressing the flesh, hanging out, just talking. And a little girl walks up to him and says, I really like what you had to say, but you look scary. And he asks her, how would you fix it? And she said, well, my daddy has a beard. You should grow a beard. And he starts growing the beard. And when you think of Abraham Lincoln, you don't think of the clean-shaven right. Abraham Lincoln. You think of the beard. You yeah. think of Abraham Lincoln, right? Well, I mean, uh, who who he is. You know what George Washington and Abraham Lincoln had in common, right? What's that? They both had beards except for Washington. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Jesus. <laughs> That, that reminds me of Waterboy. I'll have a uh, uh, whiskey and water. Hold the whiskey. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Mimosa. Hold the orange juice. Yeah. All right, All right Richard, Richard. Your number what one. You got? Uh, my number one is uh, June twenty first, seventeen eighty eight. That's the drafting of the Constitution. No, mm. you're close, but it's not the drafting of it. The signing of the Constitution. The uh, voting, vote, getting voted in. The ratification. Yeah. Okay. The ratification of the United States Constitution. Oh, I was going to say the kegger after the war. Boom. <laughs> Boom, baby, Th- this let's is go. why it <laughs> <laughs> I, I love talking about the Constitution. I, I carry I carry the pocket the pocket uh, version of the Constitution, so I love talking about it. Sure, know, all of it, all all seven articles, all twenty seven amendments. I it's love better than about what Mike it. carries in his pocket. Yes, but um, boom, and the password to backdoorbabes.com. I don't have room and in I my am, pockets. I am very <laughs> fortunate that I have chosen a profession where I'm able to actually use a constitutional amendment to defend my clients, particularly, almost always exclusively, the Fourth Amendment, rights against unreasonable searches and seizures. Right. So I literally use it and argue it in court. And one of my favorites is when everybody, you know, I'm talking about particularly politicians, when they argue that, oh, he's violating the Constitution. And I talk to some colleagues about it as well, and I say, really, which one? What amendment or what article is he violating? Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly right. You don't know, and I, I, I would love to get into people that want to argue about the Constitution because it turns to find out they don't know what the hell they're talking mm-hmm. about. Oftentimes, the Most loudest person in the room doesn't uh, know what they're talking about. Knows the least. So right. it's still in existence. We still use it every time the United States Supreme Court makes a decision. It is interpreting an amendment or a article of the United States Constitution. So it, it's it's an incredible document. Um, no other country has ever come close to creating a document of that magnitude. We're still ruled by it in the 21st century in 2019. The brilliance and just long-term 
vision of the founders, particularly James Madison, of creating this incredibly glorious five-page document. It's like one, a sequoia it's tree, it's right? I mean, yeah, it's constantly it's growing. It's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing accomplishment and document. That's a great pick. That is, it is, and, and again, was on my list, and I'm like, ah, somebody else is going to have that, so I want to talk about some other stuff. Still one of nice my favorite speech. things to see in D.C. It, it's awesome. Just to get to see that is, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. Is there a map on the back of that one, too? Shh. We don't <laughs> talk about that on there. <laughs> oh, nice. I watched that movie yesterday. It's fun as hell. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was fun. You watch that, then you watch Zookeeper? I guess that would have been the last movie I watched, right? He's so fucking liar. He's <laughs> fucking liar. I guess Zookeeper just popped into my head right leave, away. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> just watch that and go, what if? I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised that no one has this on their list, and it might be your number one. We'll see. You motherfucker, it better not. August 6th, 1945. Nope. Oh, that's the copy of the bomb. August 8th, 1945. Uh, Hiroshima and yeah. Nagasaki, yeah. This is not about killing people with a nuclear weapon. This is about literally deterring another world war for we're at what eighty years, seventy years now. Knock on wood. Nobody, nobody. There was two world wars in twenty five years. Nineteen, nineteen fifteen to nineteen. I think honestly, you you could look at those events as parts of the same. The uh, world war one, world, world war two to world war two. That that's treaty? that's almost the I can get same. A, I can because get of Versailles. I can get, right. a, I can it's get almost that. the same in between. The it's just an intermission, right? There was two. There's two reasons that I had it there. Number one was because it showed that we are a force to be to be reckoned with, and because of the sheer scientific discovery and and it, people say that the nuclear bomb should be getting rid of because all they are is for war, but they are as much a deterrent of war as they are a part of war. And number two, him having the balls to say we have to drop this because of the sheer amount of people that would have died in a land invasion if we'd have had to go into t into Japan. Not only that. How about the but balls of who made that call? Yeah. The new president. Yeah. yeah. A, a very new president. Uh, making a, a call that would change <laughs> the political landscape mm -hmm. uh, um, until, well, right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> the crazy part about that whole story is we dropped it on Hiroshima. And we were like, hey, you guys, you guys give up yet? Nah. We're going to keep them coming. We're going to bomb you again. You don't have two. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah we're sure. The next one was like, um, can someone get me the president on the phone? Because we got to put a stop to this shit. Um, I have been in Japan on the day of the anniversary of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And they locked the base down. No Japanese nationalists on base. No Americans off base. It's still an ugly, ugly scene over there. And I have been to the museum at Hiroshima that the Japanese erected for the bomb, and it's pretty sobering. It is extremely skewed against the United States. It's almost like we attacked them unprovoked, like it was some harbor or something somewhere. But it's, it's very, very sobering. But what it did and the lives it saved and how many lives we don't know that it saved because of, well, we can't attack them because Japanese they got nukes. lives. Too. Yeah. Oh, uh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> right. For sure, Japanese lives. Because we were, they, we were going to have to, we were going to have to kill uh, civilians. When not willingly, but it was going to happen. images of women and children learning to shoot rifles. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
and and here's here's the bigger issue. Say you go that route. What are we bringing back on our ships? Though those aren't men anymore. Yeah. The, the, you ask a man to kill and slaughter women and children. That's Vietnam twenty five years earlier. You're you're bringing back something. Yeah. Very very different. You're 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 right. You're right. So, I. I'm surprised that didn't that one didn't show up. I figured somebody else would, but I I put it where I did because of because of what it. That what it was. was one of those. Whereas, <laughs> see, I w- mine was the moon landing or the bomb. Pick yeah. one because I figured somebody else would have, and I I would didn't mind not uh, having one, but I, I got you. So we covered it. Nice. It's a good one. Thanks, what man. You got, Mikey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Settle in. Putty did his homework. Uh oh. June seventeenth, seventeen seventy five. Oh, that's the first shots. No. 1775? June 17th, 1775. Is that the uh, creation of the Army? Nope. That's, no, it's not the Marine Corps either. No. Uh, Marine Corps is uh, November, November 10th, 10th, 1775 at Tun's Tavern. Is that the Boston Tea Party? Nope. Close. No, would have no. earlier. 1775. The shot heard around the world? Kirk Gibson home run? No, that came later. <laughs> Another century. Nice. Not Lexington and Concord. Nope. Uh, I don't know. He always said no. The Man, I don't want to give up on this. June 17th, 1775. Stamp Act, T-Act. We were already uh, at war with the British. Yep. 1775? Bunker Hill? Paul Revere. Oh, Bunker I got Hill. it. Oh. Breeds Hill. When well I first that's his that's his family. When I first oh. met That's w- his family. He <laughs> always buries the lead. This here's here's the precursor. He always buries to something. Here's the precursor <laughs> to this story. When I first it's like met a cat Nick. in a litter box. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a reason why. All right, I want to hear it. And when I met Nick, knowing he's you know, history teacher, you know, obviously get along really well, get into discussions like this, and it, it just rolls on and on. And well one day I think we were at school, and I had mentioned that. I was pissed. I, dude, <laughs> yeah, this is great. So we're, we're talking about it, and I think we were talking about the Revolutionary War, and I, and I just in passing said, oh, yeah, I did you know, numerous reports on my ancestor, General Israel Putnam. And he looks at me like, what the hell? How do you not lead with that? Right. Word that, for that, word. That's got to be the first thing you say, man, like. Hi, my name is Mike Putnam, and uh, my and I'm a Michigan my ancestor fan. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it's something that you know I learned about as a kid, obviously from my dad and my grandfather and stuff, and it's obviously take a bit of pride in that. So it's uh, I did reports on it in high school. I did a few papers on it in college and stuff. So it's just something, obviously, when you you know that you're indirectly tied to. In, in a way, it's just something that's very cool. So I had to put it number one because it was, you know, family. Hell yeah, man. Which I, I, I would have too. Um, in see notes. Oh <laughs> shit. So, every you know, Bunker Hill. It's it's always known as the Battle of Bunker Bunker Hill, but it was fought on Breed's Hill, which is a smaller hill, which was down a little bit closer to Boston. And Boston at the time was the most important port because that's where all they that's where they were coming. Yep. And that, that's where were, they were landing. So it was such and a big deal. that's the heartbeat of the revolution. That's yes, it. it and if, you know, for somehow we could take Boston and close that, game over. And that's what the attempt was. But even though 
it was a loss for us. I still think it's pretty important, and obviously for selfish reasons. It was, there was over 2,200 British forces that were there, and they were led by Major General William Howe. And the, the fight, we, had, we were severely overmanned and under very low on ammo, which that, that leads to the famous quote. It was a loss, but during that loss, and it, the, the other cool thing, and we were, you guys were mentioning earlier, Israel Putnam fought. He wasn't to sit back on the horse and watch him like, like a lot of the, the British did. He got in and he fought, and it was the first time, even though in that loss, the Americans realized we don't have the power that they do, we don't have the ammo they do, the supplies, all of that stuff, but we crushed that. We, we dealt a large blow to their force and forced them to really look at us, look at us as not a, to be un... An actual threat. They, they we it wasn't we just can an uprising. fight at yeah. that. It was at that point, and we retreated technically twice from Breeds and Bunkers. They eventually came back and took it. There was, if you think about this, in the situation they were in, colonials, you know, guns not really organized as much. The Americans lost 450 people on that day, according to historical reports. The British lost over a thousand. 1,054, which included a ton of officers and high-ranking officials. And it was so significant because, like I said, in that loss, we realized we can fight and we can win. Even in a loss, we realized that. It Putnam realized that. The American forces started to realize that. And then that's... has a galvanizing effect. Yeah. I it's, about it. You know, in, in defeat, it was actually a win because it could have broke our backs and we could have, look, we just can't do this. But they right, if they those could. numbers are reversed, mm. you reverse those numbers and it's yeah, different. <laughs> then you're maybe thinking, wait a second. Yeah, maybe I need to take my name off that document real quick. Right, I'm not. I'm not sure this is something we want to <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it just it speaks a lot to the the stuff that we beat our chest as Americans. We're Americans. We don't quit. You know, if we believe in something enough, even all the crybaby protesters these days, they still have the gumption to get out and cry and whine for whatever it is they believe in. But back then. It w their lives depended on it, and and that was such a cool thing. And the you know, like I said, the quote. A lot of people say that it wasn't. Um, depending on which history books you read, it, it'll say that Prescott is the one that actually said it. But conflicting reports are Putnam was the commanding officer at that fight, so obviously it came from him, and he had actually used it before. And it's such a cool quote: "The enemy advances, and you tremble." Now, picture him standing in front of everyone on this hill telling them this as they're getting ready to see this sea of red come, come at them, heavily armed. Like Braveheart. Just like it. Just less horses. The enemy advances and you tremble. They have better numbers, you say, better weapons, better training. But, it I, not, but I do not fear and neither should you. For what they have in material, they lack in conviction and care, but not us. We have discipline. We have order. And we have, importantly, we have passion and we have and we believe. So maintain vigilance, conserve your ammo, ensure a proper line of sight, and above all else, men, do not fire until you see the whites of their eye. Fighting for your home. Basic fighting for your home. Think about that. Like I, I said earlier, a lot of this fighting is taking place in your backyard. Mm -hmm. Right. And it sure was. You're going to have to be an odd individual to not walk outside and try to do something about it. The other, the other thing about it, too, that people don't realize if you don't 
if you've never been associated with uh, training or war or like that, these muskets really were ineffective past about what? Oh, they're boomsticks. 60 they're yards? Yeah. You had, you had to see the whites of their eyes to even hope that you hit them. Right. You see these movies where these people pick up these muskets and they knock these cans off or these bottles or whatever off the fence. That, sh- that shit didn't happen. No That way. was not no real. Chance. The, it was, it was, it w- you had a better chance of winning the lottery that didn't exist than you did with being a sharpshooter with a musket. You were literally volleying shots. Yes. And you were hope, hoping to get it in the area. And it's... It, it's just so cool. It, it really is. Whereas and the, there's, um, the British lined up in a line, shot, moved forward, shot, moved forward. So we just sat there and waited and waited. And they go, oh, look, all right, fire. Yeah, e- even in the few defeats that he had, Washington had a lot of trust in him. Put a He trusted him with a lot of importance in, in leading a, a large por- portion of the military. And the cool thing is the, the story with him is he was in a field plowing in Connecticut, when he heard this was breaking out, literally dropped his plow, jumped on his horse, and went and left it, that quick. And it's it's just a cool story. And then, you know, think about it. That's how our – think about it. That's how the American Army infantry started. The Minutemen. And now I have a son in that same infantry, literally. And it's it's just – it's amazing to me. It's cool. Nice. That's a good one. That's my number one. I like it. Nice shot. Very Mike. personal. I had one more date that I wanted you guys to see if you could guess it. Because this is this is pretty important in American history too. February thirteenth, nineteen seventy two. One year before I was born. That's it. You got it. That's it. Yeah. The holiday came a year later. Seventy <laughs> two, I don't know. Watergate. That's my birthday. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Richard shaking his head. I was supposed to make that my actual number one, and I fucking forgot. Richard was so excited he for was like this Watergate. crazy cool date. Nope, nope, no. wasn't Watergate. My birthday. Something good happened. Duh. It's good shit. Wow. Uh, we should probably shut up. Um, Nick, would you like to pimp yourself at all? Social media, Twitter, take uh, your shirt off. I mean, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> No, I'm I'm just a humble school teacher. That's all. Okay. I love to learn. All right. Well, you you taught me a few things today. Richard, you? As always? Uh well, I'm an attorney. Uh what? we do we do personal injury and criminal defense. Uh I'm I'm about as social media as it gets, man. I mean, you can find me on, you know, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I mean, I I'm pretty active on social media. I loved I'm your really post easy to find. the other day when the the lawyer asked the person where the person's head, other where the witness's head was, and she said right above her shoulders. That was <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome. Just so cool. I say it every episode that you're on. Your stories Social and your media. posts are top notch. I'm glad you like it. It gets, it gets a lot of good response, especially from my colleagues. They fantastic. Go, yep, yep, that's exactly, yep. yep. Uh, GBishop72. At Putty2773. Top5forfighting.com. Top5forfighting on, uh, on Yahoo. Top5forfighting at Twitter. We're everywhere. Um, pay attention. We're gonna have the. We're gonna have a couple couple things for you guys to view and do in the Patreon page, and the store will be live probably by the time this happens. I cannot thank you two enough. I really enjoyed talking yeah, about that. Yeah, seriously, guys. That was especially during a holiday. Yep, week. holiday weekend. Thanks for giving it's up. It's been a pleasure. Thanks same, for giving up uh, two and a half hours out of your day. I uh, certainly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, and um, will happen again. Yeah, it will happen again. 
uh, I think that's it. So until then, happy Fourth, everybody. Make sure you keep all your fingers, all your toes. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what else to say to that except USA, <laughs> USA. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next week. I view the same, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Run! Run!